Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm your host, Brian Vitale. I've got the full crew here today, which is a good thing, which we'll talk about later. We've got Josh Torres. This past, this single past week has been like one of the most exciting times in like video game announcements that I've like ever witnessed, like in the last like five, six years. We've got Adam Vitale. Hello. We have James Galizio. Hey, folks. And we have Chow Min Wu. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, so uh, a lot of stuff happened in the last week. I'm looking at our outline here, which we have kind of tweaked and prodded and uh, edited. And I think this is easily the highest number of headlines we've had this year. It might be the largest number of headlines we've had ever in the two and a half years or whatever since reviving this podcast. It has been an insane week. And some of it we were expecting. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about here comes TGS. We're expecting a lot. But then all of a sudden, we had a Nintendo Direct and a Sony State of Play on top of that. And then we had like RTG Studios jump in and like blow stuff out of the water, like completely ex- defy our expectations for what they had to show. We had other stuff sneak in that didn't fall into any given category. We even had some late PAX West previews coming in. Uh, it's a lot. So this podcast is going to be news heavy, not quite news exclusive, but we're not going to have a specific section at the front where we're going to be talking about games we've been playing. Instead, we're going to be trying to go mostly chronologically throughout the week as things were announced. But even that's not quite right, because something will show up at the Nintendo Direct, which is on Tuesday, and then the publisher will follow up with their own presentation a day later, and then it'll show up in TGS a day later. So we're going to try to have every announcement kind of bundled together to the best extent that we can we have had had we have had some chances to preview or demo some of the announcements alongside their you know whatever in relevant news so we'll talk on those in tangents as we get to those uh so we're going to try to put this in as best of an order as we can <laughs> and we're just going to you know get cozy everyone whether you're participating in the podcast now or listening to it later with your snack or beverage of choice uh this might be a while we have a lot to talk about yeah so, just keep so. in mind uh some of the people here on the podcast including me our sleeping schedules are fucking destroyed at this point it's just we don't have Rude. a sleeping schedule <laughs> for some of us because of how TGS and Japan time zones uh you know complement uh where we are and on top of that there's been so many headlines that I know James, Josh, Adam, Kite, and others have all contributed to covering these. So certain ones of these, uh, certain people will be more versed on because they were present when it was announced or covered the news story than others because you haven't had a chance to watch all three dozen trailers each before this podcast. So we'll be doing a lot of bouncing around. We're doing a lot of making sure that all the details get elucidated as we can. So let's just stop uh, dilly-dallying and go right into it. So there are some major headlines that obviously we're going to stop and pause on uh for instance the fire emblem engage the breath of the wild sequel has a title but we're going to go mostly in chronological order so we will try to keep all the timestamps uh, as clear as possible so if you want to jump ahead to something that interests you the most we will try to have it organized by what event it was or what publisher um, or even an individual news story uh they're the timestamps at the time of recording aren't written yet so we don't know exactly what they'll be but they will be as good as possible as we can because this one will be a long one so to start out We're going to start with something that'll be a little bit abbreviated here, just simply due to the fact that we have so much to talk about. Uh, Obviously, TGS was this week. Nintendo Direct was this week. 
state of play was this week. Uh, but in the previous weeks, we did have one of our contributors go over to PAX West in Seattle uh, in late August, and that was Scott White, and he was able to look at a few games for us and write up some previews for those. Unfortunately, we can't spend a lot of time covering these games because Scott is not on this podcast here, but I figured we could at least give due diligence to his previews up on the site so that you can go ahead and read them if you'd like. The first game that he looked at was uh, indie FFT-like called Arcadian Atlas. He basically said that we've talked about how not all strategy games are built in the vein of Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, this one clearly is. Um, so this is the first preview that Scott has up on the site from his time at PAX West. So go ahead and give that a read if you're, you're looking at things like Dio Field. It's not quite what you want. You want something more like the classic Final Fantasy Tactics-like. Well, go ahead and look at Arcadian Atlas and Scott's preview on the site. Uh, here's one that I think we might have covered back when we got a, a trailer for it out of PAX, and that is the System Shock remake. And we talked about how we got some new footage of it, but still nothing from a release window. So we weren't able to talk a lot about that trailer specifically, but Scott was able to go see it um, at PAX West and write a little bit more personal preview on the game. I'm not 100% sure if he was actually able to go hands-on or not, but he was able to talk to the developers there uh, at, at their presence at PAX. So go ahead and look up the System Shock remake preview up on the site as well. And the last thing from PAX West that Scott was able to look at was for a game that I have mentioned interest in before on this podcast, and that is Lost Idolans. Lost Idolans is kind of this uh, Fire Emblem-like built with a more Witcher kind of style uh, art direction that is coming out in October. And he was able to get a hands-on opportunity for Lost Idolans over at PAX West as well. So Arcadian Atlas, System Shock Remake, and Lost Idolans. Three games that I wanted to make sure, at least shout out here at the start here. Scott was able to write up some good previews for those. So go ahead and search for them on the site if those three titles do interest you. Moving on into the headlines of the week. Uh, obviously, we had the Nintendo Direct and the State of Play on Tuesday. And we had a few uh, headlines kind of leak in just before that. So we'll go ahead and give, since we're going to go kind of chronologically here, we'll talk about them. Uh, one of which we, ha we did have, uh, I actually don't have this on the outline, but we did have a Ubisoft directed streaming event early in the week, which didn't have a lot for RPG fans. Uh, they did talk a lot about Assassin's Creed and their new, basically, paradigm for that series. The only thing really of interest here is that they did mention that uh, a new Assassin's Creed title, currently just known as Codename Red, set in Japan, is in development. Uh, we only got a very tiny teaser for it, and it will follow the RPG stylings of the recent games like Origin, Odyssey, and Valhalla. So I don't know if there's a lot of people here interested in the Assassin's Creed RPG likes. It sounds like more people were interested in more of the classic style Assassin's Creed. Uh, Adam, you've put like 200 hours into Valhalla. I don't know if you're by the time Codename Red comes out, if you'll be itching for more or if you've had your fill. And apparently Valhalla is not done yet. They also announced oh, like a final, final. chapter, <laughs> chap like a final free update. It's like yeah. finally concludes it. And I, I've already uninstalled the game. So it's like, I'm sorry, I'm probably done. But um, yeah, so next next year's Assassin's Creed is uh, Mirage, which is like going back to the action adventure style. But then they also announced Codename Red. It was literally like a 30 second teaser trailer. It's like, we're set in Japan. It's an RPG. It's being developed by the Odyssey team, mostly. So if you liked Odyssey, it probably has the same you know pedigree as that. Uh, and then they also announced like Assassin's Creed Hex, codename Hex, which yeah. we don't really know a whole lot about it other than they said it's going to be different and that it has it has like something to do with like the Salem witch trials or that sort of vibe or genre to it. Uh, so who knows? 
Yeah. So as far as far as we, like as far as we're relevant right now as an RPG site, though, like like even the very next Assassin's Creed, like Mirage, they're going back to the roots of Assassin's Creed, which obviously wasn't an RPG. It was like more in the vein of Assassin's Creed One and Assassin's Creed Two, which are more action adventure games that don't really have much RPG progression systems or like itemization as like Origins and Odyssey. Um, so yeah, I mean, Code Red is weird because it's also it's kind of at a weird time where like we already have like kind of like a uh, a good fill of like Japan themed like open not not exactly all open world but like very open RPGs like in some will even more we'll talk about in this podcast too because you know a, a good chunk of those just got announced as well so it's kind of it's starting to feel like that like that aspect is starting to get saturated it's like such a it's such like a a specific genre but it's already starting to feel like there's more than we bargained for it's like i, I like that like at the there was a certain time where these th- like types of games were like kind of novel like around like when ghost of tsushima came out but now mm-hmm. it's just like now more and more people are like okay we wanna now now that we know that like that these kinds of uh games can sell now people are just like kind of lining up to, to do that yeah, we've got at least two other titles, and it might be some I'm forgetting, that we'll be talking about uh, on this podcast, in addition to the the additional titles that we talked about last week that were set in uh, medieval China as well. So it just seems like a lot of people that are interested in that style of history from the, from those parts of the world have a lot to look forward to. Uh, we have announcements even that are like TBA 2024. So a lot of this stuff is being announced early, uh, and we'll have basically a long time to look forward to them as they start getting doled out. And a few, uh, a few playable demos of certain games like that as well. Um, that have been made available this week. Another one of the announcements that took place right before uh, the Tuesday deluge of news was a game that we've talked about on the podcast back in February. Uh, We had a Nintendo Direct back in February, if you don't remember. Um, And as part of that Nintendo Direct, on the Japanese side only, um, Xseed and Marvelous, well, I guess not Marvelous in this case, but um, uh, we learned about a game called Loop 8 Summer of Gods. And that obviously at the time only showed up in a Japanese Nintendo Direct. It's a new IP that is set in a rural town that has a lot of persona kind of influences in the setting and its relationship system and uh, combating demons and things like that. We talked about it a little bit back in February. Uh, but this week we did learn that Exceed and Marvelous Games will be localizing this title for next year. And we got a new trailer that showcases both uh, English voices. We learned that the the release will support dual audio. We got a new trailer for it. Um, so this game I don't remember a lot about back in February. But it's if you had this on your radar back when it was announced and we're wondering whether we'd see a Western localization for it, it has been confirmed. No other real details other than that. But just knowing that Marvelous will be bringing it over next uh, next year, yeah, um, this is uh, an interesting title because I'm a sucker for time travel stories. So you know, time travel RPG uh, kind of speaks to me, especially when they're kind of phrasing this as a quote unquote coming of age adventure. The basic premise of this is you know, the protagonist's name is Nini, um, and then the 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 premise uh, where this uh, takes place is like at this like kind of like small town in Japan, like uh, of uh, Ashihara around the year 1983. So it's like early 80s Japan, which is a pretty novel like setting in video games in general. Yeah. Um, and then, so th- there's a very like spiritual aspect to it. So apparently like, you know, Nini, the protagonist has like this uh, connection with the gods and can use a uh, demon sight. So that allows them to uh, uh, loop and reset the world because the the main 
objective of the players to like to drive back these uh demons uh from it and like they you kind of have to like use these loops to uh combat like the kegai uh demonic demons so we don't really know exactly like how the mechanics will work in the, in this game they've seen uh, some gameplay footage as you mentioned and we do see that like the, the battles seem like they're turn-based i'm not 100 percent sure if that's how they play out but that's like what the interface looks like but you know uh We'll see how how it goes uh, when they bring it over next year. That looks like a uh, might be a neat title. It reminds me most that uh, ahead, even before this was officially announced, like everyone knew it was being localized. You don't release a game a JRPG on Xbox One in Japan without intending to localize it. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of always the weird indicator. It's like okay, if they're announcing this in Japan for Xbox One, then eventually we're gonna see it here for sure. Unless it's like, I don't know exactly how Xbox, I know Xbox series has been doing like fairly decently in Japan now, but Xbox One obviously just doesn't sell anymore because um, of Xbox series. And this next headline probably would have been a highlight if every part of other part of the week wasn't so surprisingly packed. But this kind of came out of nowhere. And this is hot off the heels. Uh, we're going to be talking about Electronic Arts here, which is a publisher we don't often talk about um, because they're not usually in our realm. And other than the fact there were the rumors that they're going to be bought by Amazon or whatever that fell through. Uh, but we uh, got news that Electronic Arts will be partnering with Koei Tecmo's Omega Force Studio to develop a triple-A hunting game set in feudal Japan. There we are again. And Omega Force being the developer, I hope I get this right, behind the Tweakiden, uh, Tokaiden. I don't hope I, hope I don't know which way that's pronounced. The Tokaiden Close series. Enough. <laughs> uh, back on the PSP. Or was the second one on Vita? I don't quite remember. I played the initial one. I don't remember if it was PSP um, or Vita. It was So Tokaiden 1 and Kiwami were available on PSP in Japan, but they were never available on PSP in the West. Gotcha. Then. So we don't know if this is in that series, but we do know that it's Omega Force developing a hunting game set kind of in the same time period, published by Electronic like Arts. Duck. Yeah, walks like a duck. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously maybe it'll be a little bit different once we see like footage. But from everything you're saying, it's basically sounding like Tukiden 3 in all but name, but with a larger budget, which I mean... I don't know if anyone else here played Token and Two, but it was actually really cool. And I feel like the main thing that was holding it back was lack of development time and budget, which sounds like that'll be fixed with uh, EA money. So I'm excited to see what. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's really bizarre to see like a, a press release for Electronic uh, Arts and it's, it mentions Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors in it. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. so this was movies. announced by press release. No trailer or anything, no logo as far as I know, just a one piece of concept art. Is I think that's all we got. Um, yeah, I think so. And then the press release doesn't mention, unless I'm missing a Tokaiden, it mentions Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors, but that doesn't seem to be the type of game this is. So just kind of interesting that we got basically four paragraphs from EA talking about how they're planning to do this. And that's kind of all we've got to go on. Not not a lot of games are announced that way these days. Um, it's it's kind of have... it's kind of bizarre, right? Because Omega Force has just, it just feels like they've been kind of the, the, the development studio has been like kind of just working their way up, like behind the scenes ever since their partnership with nintendo with the hyrule warriors with atlas with persona strikers and now they're starting to move into the even to western ips now didn't, working with ea didn't omega force develop dragon quest builders one too i don't know exactly if they I know were the, it was a koei tecmo studio i'm trying yeah. to, like i'm not I, exactly sure if they were the the ones behind it or if they might have been like a co-development uh assisting uh, i'm not 100 percent sure on that but yeah, Omega Force. It's uh, it's crazy. I'm I'm excited. It's just it's kind of it's kind of weird seeing like 
this development studio that I've been like with for many years, like ever since like Dynasty Warriors two and three. It's just like uh, wow, they're they're really making making progress. According to Moby Games, it was indeed Omega Force that was behind okay. uh, Dragon Quest Builders. One cool. Yeah. Then yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they got. But okay, like, what do you foresee this being? Like in my in my mind, in my fucked up mind, like this is like, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know why my mind goes to like Mass Effect, but like <laughs> some sort of like Mass Effect Japan themed hunting game. <laughs> I don't know how that makes sense, but I that's mean, what I think. It is EA technically, so yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, a lot of the language in this press release is very like mealy mouth, just like right. help us introduce a new kind of hunting game to a global audience. Like, uh, well, what else do they've got here? I'll be honest here. I'm surprised it's taken a Western studio this long, like one of the big, like the big Western publishers, this long to announce something that's very clearly trying to go for that monster hunter money. Because, like, I mean, when World, like, World sold over 20 million copies, it, like, let's not kid ourselves here. EA's not the only company looking at that and thinking we should do something like this. I, I just yeah. think that EA's probably been the smartest about this because instead of trying to develop it themselves, they went to a company that already has a proven track record with this uh, genre and said, here, take a bunch of money, make something with it. I'm excited to see what comes out of this. What was oh man I, I'm blanking on the name but what was the name of that that uh, indie monster hunter uh, before yeah Dauntless uh, I think I, I think still it, get like PR emails about that every now and then yeah I, I get like I think about about that but I think of like games that were really trying for monster hunter before like monster hunter blew up and that was like one of the leading ones before World came out. Yeah, and they say we're going to be expecting more information this month, so. Not a whole lot of weeks left in the month. We're halfway through, but we might see something in the coming weeks about. We obviously have no. This seems like it's very early. No release window, no platforms or anything. But uh, obviously, no title or anything other than a piece of single piece of concept art. So who knows what we'll see from this? But it's pretty exciting, and I think, you know, like James said, it's kind of obvious to see that the success of Monster Hunter has had in the past few, uh, the past you know four or five years. And the the Monster Hunter like kind of had its time in the sun about a decade ago, but has kind of been a little bit quiet since. I had almost forgot about Dauntless <laughs> existing. So it'll be interesting to see a, a Western publisher kind of take a stab at it and partnering with someone, like James said, has a track record of doing pretty well with it. All right, here is something that I didn't originally have in the podcast document, but Josh was insistent that we talk about this. Uh, <laughs> this, this and, I, and I'm totally, I'm totally on board with that. All righty, so... The major release from earlier this year uh, from publisher Square Enix and developer Platinum Games, Babylon's Fall, will shut down uh, in February of next year. So I don't think we ever reviewed this. I know that Josh previewed it without a lot of uh, good things to say about it. We've had a few uh, friends of the site continue to try to you know stay up to date on it to the extent that they can. Uh, we've kind of taken the piss out of some, you know, tweets from the you know the official babylon's fall twitter saying that they're still going to support the game that you know it's not on life alert i still but have that image that it has that is the continuing service in danger image on my computer i have it up <laughs> in front of me right now man this game has it's weird right because this is like uh this was supposed to be a games as a service game and it's like it's weird that it's like it's not gonna make its first anniversary it's gonna stop right like at least at uh, the third of March this year, and it's stopping at like 
uh, funny enough, at a leap year where like they they're making use of the extra day in that year um, to shut it down. Um, but yeah, I mean everything. I mean, people, the, the enduring thing for for the public for this game is like no one fucking played this game as far as like the Steam charts site goes. Who knows how the metrics are for the other consoles? I can't imagine that's that much better either. Um, Remember just, that headline about how there was like one single person playing uh, Babylon's Fall on PC. If anything, that's the best thing that this game kind of gave us outside of like in terms of like uh, like news. It's just like it's a lot. It's amusing because you don't get to see that anymore. Like you see like other like games as a service that like you don't really hear about, and like they get like updates that don't really move the needle forward. Like PSO two New Genesis comes to mind, where like. And whether whether it's like a good thing or a bad thing, whether it gets new content or not, it, that that game like averages around three thousand players uh, come hell or high water uh, for that. So it, it's but and th- this one is like it feels like universally people are just like we're not in the mood for Babylon's Fall. This isn't for me. Um, and it's just like it like Square Enix and Platinum Games just misread the market so hard with this game. Um, and it's a uh, it's a shame because I remember like a very early announcement of like. Babylon saw before we knew it was like uh, games as a service, you know, and like the early footage, like, okay, this might be okay, like a cool action game from Platinum Games, but man, this, um, you know, I, I don't have any uh, empathy or sympathy for like the game shutting down. I mean, about all the best for like the developers, and hopefully they get to move on to cooler projects um, from this, and hopefully there's like some real lessons learned from this, like, hey, you know, well, what are we doing here? And it's kind of interesting to see like how they try to like kind of get interest back to the game with like a near automata collaboration and all these like you know stuff but it's just like okay well it didn't it didn't work out so this is kind of like the real reality of like if your game's a service isn't like prepared for like like going the extra mile to like make sure that like it, it finds a player base you're not going to survive that long no matter what you say even if you put out a twitter image that uh asks if the continuing service is in danger and you firmly say no confidently um I mean, first impressions are so hard to correct. It's definitely one of those things where I feel like so many companies try to make games as a service, but the truth, like the reality is, is that the majority of games can't really find that audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anything, I like, I can only speak for myself, but I, I know a bunch of friends that for them, games as a service is just like, a black mark like whenever they hear a game is like pushing for that it just tells them two things one that the game's not really going to be in a good state at launch because like the track record for games as a service as a whole is that those games do not launch well and two it's like especially for like Babylon's Fall the reason anyone was excited for that was because they wanted a single player action game maybe in an RPG from Platinum games, because that's what yeah. people know them for. Nobody yeah. wanted a, a games as a service from Platinum because it's like completely like antith- antithetical to their entire like catalog brand. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's kind of a weird move from them. So like, yeah, I, I remember like when they announced it like at some like I think maybe E three last year. It's like, oh yeah, this is a. Uh, games as a service game it's like oh <laughs> every i i know uh, the majority of people i saw were like oh <laughs> uh hmm well I all right i guess track record's good for the last couple of years 
Yeah, I mean, they, they, they like, I, I, yeah, I feel like yeah, Platinum Games hasn't really had a great track record in general. And they like, it, it's like, for, I know for uh, some people, it's like Bayonetta 3 might be like the last straw for them on like giving Platinum a, a chance uh, for, uh, for the time being. So, so yeah. Let's I mean, have a breakdown know. from what they have been doing. They also made a shut up game that nobody oh, has been played. Yeah. Yes. Uh, then what is it? Did anyone play World of Demons on mobile? I did. Oh, I guess I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, was it any good? It was I, I all know. right. It was it, all right. It's it's very much one of those weird like Apple arcade things where like it, it was it, it was clearly a mobile game at first, and it was very evident because they had like that uh, press tour for World of Demons at that one year, and then it disappeared off the face of the planet before being on Apple Arcade. But like the the structure and the menus of World of Demons and the progression was very much like yes, this started life as a mobile game. It's like it's one of those games that I would not go back and, and play daily for like dailies or whatever. It's like okay, I'll play. It. For once in a while, but I eventually I just got bored, like after like a week or so. But and like, it, yeah, I don't, I don't want to like stay on this topic for too long because you have a lot of other things. But it's just like one, one of those things. It's like, you know, recently Platinum Games hasn't really been doing anything that like caught a lot of people's eyes. For me personally, the last thing like I, I liked from them was Astral Chain, and that was several mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, I just wonder if there's something wrong in the management. But well, we'll find out eventually, I guess. So I was looking at the original because this was announced back in like 2018, 2019, you know, back when uh, Platinum Games had, I think, better word of mouth because it was, you know, f- less further removed from Nier Automata and things like that. And I'm just looking at some of the comments on our, our announcement articles and it's like, so glad Platinum and Square are partnering up again since it's been their most successful team up to date. And then in the next one, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is a this is a live service game now. That's a shame. <laughs> just like just seeing in real time people's hearts being crushed. Yeah. Uh, but. Anyways, we do for as alongside the service shutdown announcement, we do have the schedule for like uh, they already don't sell their premium currency anymore. But the schedule of events leading down to uh, next February next year about exactly when things are you know turning off or having one last hurrah for the, the few people that still play this game. With that, we go into the Nintendo Direct, which was early morning for most of us in the in the states on Tuesday, and Nintendo Directs just in the last three or four years, have always been, you know, really headline heavy for our site. They've just got a lot of stuff that crosses our purview in a lot of ways. And without just, you know, without dilly-dallying anymore, the big one here, and this is something that has been rumored for a long while and even leaked in several ways, is that we got the announcement of the next mainline Fire Emblem game, another anniversary title similar as in Awakening. We've got Fire Emblem Engage is launching in January of next year on the 20th. For Nintendo Switch, we got a lot of new artwork. We got obviously an announcement trailer for this. We got a lot of uh, a lot of feedback on social media and, the, and the, all those various fears about what they thought about the character designs and the announcement trailer. Yeah, I, I am pro toothpaste hair. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've oh got Pepsi God. Man and Colgate Chan. Um, but I'll tell you a real uh, cursed secret: it's the child of Arvis and Sigurd. When they when they when the, this was leaked because it's like that like the, there was there was like you know leaked shots of this co- coming like, right you know, a few months back like the the thing that caught people's eyes is like the main character design because they have like the red and blue hair all mixed like in like gradient style and everything it just looks like a hot mess but yeah it's it a like, hot mess that I'm here for right like, it's it, like that it, looks so stupid it can't possibly be real that's what, how people were thinking yeah exactly that. like people are like this this. That's the, that's the main thing for the leak shots. Like this, this cannot be real because that main character design looks so stupid. And like going into this, I was like, I wonder if they're gonna keep that design. And then it's like, sure enough, when they first showed there, I'm like, yes, it's real. 
like, <laughs> so yeah. probably is trolling too. Did you see that leaked screenshot? They named the toothpaste Chad www. <laughs> <laughs> and it's anyway. Oh, so to, to not bury the lead too much, so the announcement trailer and the, the subsequent you know press release for the game, uh, the protagonist is a voice protagonist this time, male or female, named Alir. A-L-E-A-R. Uh, it seems like they're, they have been awakened after a long slumber to try to combat the danger of the fell dragon. They partner with past heroes of the series. It looks like each mainline series from one through uh, uh, three houses gets represented in a certain way. I've seen people compare this to like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure stands. It looks like different characters will equip like signet rings, which have like the entity of a past hero attached to them. Alir is partnered with Marth. We also see uh, somewhere I've got the whole list of the uh, um, the different heroes yeah, that are. Yeah, we see we see, we see Lin uh, throughout like the because like when they when they're showing like the beginning of this trailer, the big mural. Like, yeah. The, yeah, there's a mural and like they're like the past heroes of Fire Emblem are actually part of the lore of this game because uh, like, I got in it. the I past got it. the Fell Dragon was like taken down by emblems and these were like the characters from past Fire Emblem games. Yeah. Uh, so from in chronological order from release, we've got Marth, Selica, Sigurd, Leaf, Roy, Lynn, Erica, Ike, Micaea, Lucina, Corin, and Byleth. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. they, I guess they had to pick Byleth for three houses, so they didn't pay, play favoritism amongst the other three. Uh, so Byleth seems Where's like a little Seleth? bit of a boring pick. Where's who? Where's Seleth? Oh, yeah. So we get Sigurd <laughs> from uh, Genealogy of the Holy War and mm-hmm. not Seleth. So yeah, uh, obviously, obviously we don't know like for sure, for sure that those are the only ones, but they're the ones that are all represented on the mural at the start. Uh, of, my friends are already trailer. trolling. They were like, "This looks like the lobby room of Fire Emblem Heroes. Are they going to have core crystals from Xenoblade Two to get those heroes?" Oh my God, no, please. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, the you know, they showed off gameplay of this game. And it's very much like a visual upgrade enhancement of the Three Houses engine. Like, you know, you did, yeah, like, technically it looks stuff. really good. Yeah, it looks pretty good, especially when you compare it to like three houses. Like it's 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 visually a step up, and then like yeah, like similar to like the monastery, you'll have like a town uh, area where you can like run around in and like uh, engage with stuff in in there. Um, you know, going to shops, uh, upgrading your character, probably uh, you know, interacting with uh, with with the other characters in the game. They showed off a few of like the party members. Like one of them I know is like a like a female martial artist, I believe. Um, and a cavalier, and yeah, it, it looks you know, like if you liked how Fire Emblem was in Three Houses, it looks like Engage is gonna continue upon that. I think, I think the biggest change from here is they won't have like the the redo turns mechanic from Three Houses. We don't know exactly what they're gonna do yet for battles in terms of like those kinds of mechanics, but it, it, it looks really, really good. Like, I'm very interested to uh, trying it out. And uh, the art direction looks really nice. Uh, looks kind of different from Three Houses, but technically it looks better. I've seen a lot of people say that it, the characters look like VTubers, especially the main characters. Uh, but... I, I, lo- I love the photoshops that have come out of this game for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, what was the, the art, the main character designer's name for uh, for uh, Engage? I know they shared it around, but like I know they they uh, they they're a character designer for like a ba- the Bales VTuber from Hollow Live. I know they did uh, work for what, say Shonagun from uh, Fate Grand Order. I'm blanking on the name right now, which is a, a shame. I need to go search it up. The uh, uh, Wikipedia. Let's see. Um, Mike Mika Picasso. Yeah, Mika Picasso. Yeah, very yeah. very very talented artist. 
So they've at least worked on the two protagonists so, uh, and their character artists on the game. So I'm assuming they've had a hand in all the characters that we've seen so far. So the, the style is a little bit different. I've seen some people react a bit negatively to it. Um, I kind of think I need to see more first. Like my, my favorite era of Fire Emblem artwork was, I forget the name of the artist, but the um, the Tellius era artwork. So even Three Houses, I didn't, I wasn't as much of a fan of. Senri, but... Senri Kita, is that right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, no, my uh, favorite artist is, uh, was it Wada Sachiko? I don't think uh, has Sachiko done newer Fire Emblem stuff. Let Besides me guess. That's uh, that's genealogy and Thracia. No, no, that's oh, uh, no. that's that's uh, Ceiling Blade and uh, and the uh, what was it? And oh, the, the, G- the, the GBA games. Yes, the GBA games. Yeah, those had really good artwork too. Um, this artwork isn't bad. I think the technical prowess of the game lo- helps it a lot because it just looks really clean and smooth, and the, the trailer doesn't have like a lot of slowdown or a lot of low resolution blockiness, um, at least c- compared to what I remember of three houses, which didn't run that great all the time. Uh, so I do think it looks really nice. I don't know, like in general, the fact that this is like an anniversary title, like it feels, it feels like to me, it's like, we just got awakening. Oh wait, that was a decade ago. Damn it. <laughs> um, oh man. I, I don't know. I, I kind of would like prefer a game that like didn't have to like say, Hey, you remember, you remember Lynn, you remember Ike, you, you like Ike, right here. Ike's in this game. Like, I don't need that, but I know a lot of people really like it. So it's like, all right, it's harmless to have, you know, a bit of fan service in that way. Yeah. We just got off like a, a mainline fireman game. That wasn't an anniversary title. So I mean, you know, uh, that's a good point. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And maybe it'll be implemented in a way that, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be eating McCrow here and it'll be done in a pretty engaging and compelling way. I've seen some people say like, oh, Marth is such a boring pick for the protagonist, but it's also like easily the safest pick. I, th- I think it I think it sucks that like they showcased Marth as like the first one. Obviously, he has to be showcased as the first one, but like it's cool to see like new updated modern graphical models for like these past Fire Emblem characters. Like the only time you've really seen them is like is like from Fire Emblem Heroes. And that's just mainly new artwork for them because that still has like the the chibi art style that uh, Fire Emblem Heroes uses. We don't have like many like instances of like new, like just blown out new engine, new graphical engine, modern technology, what these characters would look like as a modern rendition of them, which is, you know, pretty exciting in its own right. And there was uh, the Divine Edition they talked about, and I know people have either like lined up or already lined up for the pre-orders of that. I forget exactly what comes with it, but uh, I saw a lot of people, you know, immediately trying to figure out where they could get pre-orders in for that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that, January that of next year. So it's not, not a holiday title, but something we'll be playing early in the next calendar here. So it's kind of an interesting spot to release a Fire Emblem game. Well, I guess when did Three Houses release? February? Maybe. So maybe it's not that strange. February. February sounds right. Um, yeah. The Three, Divine houses? Division, Three Houses? Yeah. Didn't it come out earlier that year? Thought, in the year? I thought it came out in the summer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it came out in the summer. Okay, well, oh. we're we're old. Yeah, <laughs> we're old and had poor memory. July 2019. Okay, <laughs> that's that's close enough to early that yeah. year. <laughs> um, yeah, the divine edition for Fire Emblem Engage comes with you know game, steel book, art cards, poster, and yeah, I think that, an art book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chow is probably the biggest Fire Emblem fan here. How are you feeling about Engage? I don't know how I feel about Two Face Hand. I always feel <laughs> like. The concept art looks fine. It's just in execution with 3D didn't look really too good. Um, it, it, it it's good. And like I like it because it's wacky in a, in a in a fun, goofy way. Like I, I'll never get bored looking at the at the main character. Right? It's just like one of those things. I'll look at them and I'll think about it and laugh. Not in a bad way, but it's just like because the the design is so amusing to me. You'll always recognize it. It'll stand yes. out. 
Um, but I don't know. I don't feel engaged as <laughs> with this game because I don't know. I don't like any game that has Marth in it. That is quite a lot. <laughs> that's your, that's your, Marth, like, Marth is like in the official game. artwork for the game. Marth has yeah, like but, you know, the I despise any estate. game that has Marth in it. I hate it. Shadow Dragon. I don't really like. Well, free is decent, but it still had Marth in it. You hate all Smash Brothers games. Smash Brothers is not even a real fighting game. Oh wow! <laughs> all right, <laughs> there you go. The the strongest anti Marth. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. right. Take, yeah. Take Marth out of the game, and Engage will be on top of Chow's list. But yeah, we're not too far removed from this, so I do kind of like that Nintendo announces a game that's like five months out, really. So it won't be won't be too long before we start playing this. And I'm guessing we'll have you know the marketing cycle for it ramp up pretty quickly with the other. Uh, we didn't get to see all the hero, all the past heroes in game, so I'm guessing we'll get little glimpses of that as uh, we get closer to release date. All right, there were a lot of headlines uh, as part of the Nintendo Direct, and there's so many that we could easily pick to talk about at the front or right behind Fire Emblem. Uh, even though it was a shorter trailer, and it's kind of what they ended on, I believe we're going to be talking about the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild sequel finally has a name it is the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom so we got a new trailer for it however the trailer was actually quite short it shows about uh like 10 or 20 seconds of the mural type artwork about like the same sort of stuff they did at the, uh, the history of the calamity from the first game we got little snippets of gameplay of the new look for link just kind of exploring the overworld and you know dropping from one of the sky islands and landing on some sort of like flying you know, aircraft bird thing. But that's really kind of it. We don't really see a lot other than that. It doesn't have like the same vibe as the initial trailer where we saw Link and Zelda going to like the underground crypt. We don't see Zelda at all in this trailer outside of, I guess, represented in the mural. Uh, we did get the box art and some new just artwork for the game, which is pretty neat. But uh, we did learn that the release date for this game will be May 12th of next year. So a summer release for the next mainline Zelda game. I mean, yeah, this is what they needed to do. Like uh, after all, like you know, after getting delayed, unfortunately, you know, by COVID and everything. Like uh, I think this is definitely one of the major titles that was hit the the hardest uh, because of the pandemic. Um, and you know, just had to keep on delaying it back and back and back and back. So I don't really know how if they're gonna stick with that May twelfth date. I, I feel like it's gonna have like at least one more delay. That's kind of my, my gut feeling. But it's nice to see that you know at least it's uh, we're, we're we're getting there, right? We're getting there. At the very least. I would have been more skeptical if this was like early 2023 of like when it, uh, the release date. So maybe they can hit that May 12th uh, release date. It's still uh, somewhat far out. It's probably one of the one of the furthest RPGs. Well, I mean, I, this is kind of like I don't know if this counts as an RPG, but like very RPG esque. Yeah, Zelda, Zelda is always like not an RPG, but we cover yeah. it anyways because we can. Who's gonna stop yeah. us? Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, the the uh, Breath of the Wild style games are the most RPG they've been in a long time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's the like in terms of like when you're talking about like calendar and release dates, it's like definitely one of the furthest games out for a known release date that we have. Yeah, but I guess there's really not a whole lot. To, I, I've seen like some of the Zelda specific YouTube channels really pick and prod at the trailer, and we're not quite the right place for that. Uh, if you want to digest every frame and what's in it, but it basically looks like that they're expanding like the open world exploration. Like obviously the initial game had a huge aspect on climbing, and here they kind of show Link climbing like the floating rocks, like levitating and like you know, decelerating into the air. Yeah, yeah that's cool. And then instead of just the uh, the parasail or whatever it's called, the glider, you've got like a, a larger version of that where he drops onto this like stone falcon thing. So my guess is that aerial traversal will be a lot, obviously, a big component of this game. 
Not a lot. I mean, maybe you can glean a little bit from about the story premise from the initial, you know, chatter over that mural. But I mean, like, the, the most memorable thing about like the, the this game was like that very first reveal with like uh, with uh, Zelda and Link uh, in that weird like ca- dark cavern. Yeah, and and and, and basically all but confirmed to be Ganondorf underneath. And yeah. this, this basically they're holding that close to their chest here. Uh, and we did know that based on some of the earliest marketing for Tears of the Kingdom, uh, that it's going to borrow some of the same overworld from the base game. But it sounds like they're really kind of going all out with the um, the aerial traversal in the Sky Islands as well to try to give it uh, a much wider ex- expanded scope. I saw someone tweet earlier, like five years later, and I'm still upset that Breath of the Wild, even with its uh, expansion DLC, didn't give you enough like shrines to max out both your health and stamina. And then I was like, oh, God, five years ago, that was five years ago, turn into a mummy <laughs> just immediately. We thought that this might show up pretty quick because if they reused assets, uh, they might be able to turn it on quickly. But then COVID happened and now it's been kind of the uh, the longest gap between Zelda games, I think, since like the 90s. Because I we think, don't have. I but... think by the time it comes out, it might just straight up be the longest gap between Zelda releases. Mm hmm. But yeah, just like uh, Fire Emblem Engage, I'm sure we'll have marketing spin up for that as we get into the next calendar year. Breath of the Wild was great. Um, this looks like it basically doesn't show. I know the one thing that people are going to be wondering about are dungeons and like weapon durability. But those are, I guess, something that is still kind of shrouded in mystery if those have been t- tweaked at all in any way. And in a lot of ways, we haven't seen a lot of... I'm trying to remember, we've seen... Tears of the Kingdom three times, the initial trailer, the follow-up trailer back at like E3 2021, and then this one. Not a lot of combat focus in any of them. And then, of course, not a lot of dungeon focus as well. So you that's stuff that we... band-aid off this yet. They're, they're going to be like, right. hey, guess what? Everything you loved about Breath of the Wild, like weapon durability, it's back, baby. They're, they're going to do another uh, trailer where it just starts raining. I feel like, no, not the <laughs> rain. <laughs> no, but Zelda games are always great. I love Breath of the Wild. Uh, I don't have any ask, inclination to revisit it just because it took me like 150 hours. But uh, I'm excited for this because I do miss the traditional dungeons, but uh, I think everything else at Breath of the Wild provided more than made up for it. So even if this kind of tweaks it even a slight bit, uh, I'm excited for this. Just and I think maybe we did another like 20 minutes, dude. Come on. Oh, yeah. I could just like run. A, I can just get good at the game and run again. And slingshot yourself to get it. You cut down a log or something and you use a bomb and an explode the log to fly to the castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Breath of the Wild is a pretty short game. Here's another major announcement that's definitely in our purview, and it's something that has been kind of rumored for a long while, and that is we've got the formal announcement of Octopath Traveler 2. So Octopath Traveler obviously was one of the surprise releases, the first HD 2D game uh, back in, what, 2018? I don't remember exactly when. Yeah, I think it was Uh, 2018. We had Champions of the Continent get its global release earlier this year, Uh, Octopath Traveler 2, uh, was announced at the Nintendo Direct and then followed up. Uh, I forget if it was a TGS specific stream or just a Square Enix publisher thing afterwards. Square Enix uh, talking, thing, yeah, yeah. So it has eight new protagonists. They still spell Octopath with the first letter of their names. And alongside some of the press release material for Octopath Traveler Two, they do mention that even though each protagonist has their own distinct starting location and their own stories to tell. This time, Octopath Traveler 2 will exhibit additional stories that unfold between the protagonists as their journeys progress, which was obviously stop, one let's of not the, bury the Let's not bury the lead here, too. Like, it's not just coming to Switch. It's also coming oh, to good point. PS5, yep. PS4, and PC, like, all simultaneously with the Switch release at February 24th. 
which of this course means that we have to talk about i know exactly where james is going I, a lot of us i know will appreciate the pc release right away because octopath traveler eventually made its way to the pc uh james where did octopath traveler also eventually make its way to this is fucking funny uh so <laughs> the original octopath traveler when it came to pc it also came to xbox <laughs> so the first one is not available on PlayStation, and the second one is not going to be available on uh, Xbox, and that's like the only difference in platforms between the two, and it's really weird. Yeah, they did a switcheroo uh, here out of nowhere. I, I don't know if they have like any any plans to release the first Octopath on PlayStation. They just it's just a, a weird decision. Um, yeah, We're waiting for that Game I, Pass check. I, it, it's interesting to me because, like, when they when Square published the, their their uh, the full like direct feed trailer for this game, like when I watched it, it it reminded me that I never I've I've never actually seen an uh, HD two D uh, game in sixty FPS because I never got the PC release of Octopath, and mm-hmm. then like all the other two D games like Live Alive remake that's thirty FPS only on Switch, Champions of the Continent only on thirty FPS on mobile, like Triangle Strategy. Like, yeah, triangle strategy, uh, like as of the moment, only on Switch. More on that um, later. Yeah, yep. And um, yeah, so it's like it's kind of weird to me, like seeing um, Octopath two in sixty FPS. I was like, oh yeah, HD two D games can run in sixty FPS. My, my bad. You you were uh, going on like about the like the changes or enhancements coming to this game from the <laughs> prequel. The two major changes. There might be other ones that are that are dotted around the different press releases, uh, especially the couple times that this game got, got shown from different sources throughout the week, uh, is that the, the way that they're calling their combined paths are called crossed paths, stories that feature two travelers. And in the press release, basically, it literally says the dancer and warrior part one. So basically, it literally just says this is the story of these two characters. So part of me, it seems like that seems a little bit mechanical, but it might be the best way that they can implement it uh, so that they can have, you know, you can... I'm guessing that every single pairing will be because, uh, you know, you can do math and figure out that that would be quite a lot. Uh, but just interesting ways that they can say, you know, these are, we're going to have multiple stories tied tie these characters together rather than just have like eight completely parallel uh, narratives that don't intersect in any way. And then the other thing that was detailed was that the path actions, like how um, Tarion could steal or um, Oberic can challenge people to duels or whatever, will change based on a day-night cycle. I don't know if you really got a lot of specific detail on this other than that these path actions will change from day to night, allowing for, you know, more variability and more more variety. Uh, there's uh, one very the minor tidbit about the day-night cycle that's not really uh, obvious in, like, uh, what they showed. But, like, the time will pass in-game, but p- uh, players can also change day and night with a single press of a button. Like, they can just manipulate it on the fly uh, on that so they don't have to wait for the game to, like, get access to a certain path action. For a character, and they also said like the the music will change seamlessly uh, with that, and like th- this whole thing is like there's no loading screen; it just happens seamlessly uh, from there. Um, and uh, you know, a very big focus that, uh, of this game is the music. Yasunori Nishiki is back for for the uh, OST for this game. Did a and, an and he did he did a job. wonderful job. Yeah, yeah, he did an, he does an amazing job, like both on um, Champs of the Continent and on the first tra- Octopath Traveler, and then like this. This game is just gonna have so so much music. Uh, they're saying like there'll be you, alongside like unique um, themes for like every location in the game. Like there'll be another very uh, uh, different uh, like a mix or arrangement for that music uh, depending on the name if it's day or n- uh, night. So 
it's just going to be it's going to be a lot of music and new music and that's very exciting and actually, now that I look at some of the details that came out after the initial announcement in the Nintendo Direct, uh, we got some bios and some synopsis on two of the characters in specific. Uh, the warrior Hikari and his two path actions. Um, is it his or her? His. his. Yeah. yeah. His two path actions are uh, in the daytime, it's challenge, which I believe matches what Olberic's was. But then in the nighttime, it's bribe, where you spend money to pay for information. So there's an example of the difference in path action from day to night. And then the other character is Agnia, who is the uh, the um, the dancer. And path action, <laughs> yeah, path action for the day is to basically get people to party alongside you as like temporary support in battle. And then the other one is to get items from people. It's called entreat. So basically, you can. It's a kind of, I guess, almost like bribe, only instead of getting information, you get items out of them. So just two examples there about how the different characters will be able to interact with the world in different ways. Um, in, in Octopath Traveler, I know a lot of the path actions kind of have, they serve the same purpose, so that you would, if you set up your party right, even though you can only have four of the eight at any one time, you could you could cover your bases. So I wonder if they'll do that kind of similarly here, or if having the dual path action will make that a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Square Enix released the details on the first two travelers, and I assume they'll just release them in kind of pairs. Yeah, yeah. So besides Sehari, the warrior, and Agnia, this year, we have Particio, uh, the merchant, and he he kind of has he kind of reminds you of Elvis from Bravely Default too. Um, Oswald, the scholar, is kind of like on a prison island. Uh, throne, throne. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. The thief. Um, Temenos, the cleric. Ocheta, Ochet, the hunter, which is uh, reminds you of um, Pongo from. Uh, live alive mm-hmm. and um and Casti the apothecary and just like you know just like the first game the first letter and all their names do spell out octopath i did i did go check that like yep they did the thing again uh, um, but they 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 didn't do it in that order so people, people were joking like hapto talk or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah um uh, I guess like the, the 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 main thing about this game, like to make it feel different from the first game. I've, uh, the, to be clear, you don't need to have played the first game to play the second. It is not a direct sequel; it's its own uh, separate story. Austera, like they might, there might be mentions to Ostera through some of the NPCs, but it won't be like a featured landmass here. To separate it from the first game, like you know, in the first game, like it was all on Ostera. There's like near like villages uh, nearby each other. This one, it's like uh, a, a big focus of the world map is like they're separated by islands. Um, so there's like a, like a, a lot of sailing travel in this game. Um, uh, they mentioned that like the the OST theme has a more a bit more jazzy feel to it, um, and also just they want to feature like all the enhancements that the HD two D engine has like gone through over the years. Obviously, the first Octopath kind of invented that concept, and a lot of like a lot of the novelty of the first Octopath was that like seeing HD two D for the first time. But now you know it's been used in like so many other games after that that like now they really want to showcase like like the advancements to it and like make this more uh, visually distinct so like you'll see a lot of like the early footage of this game and the gameplay demo they showed at TGS was like you'll see like shadows moving as like uh as the 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 day and the weather kind of change so like you like the world feels more alive you'll see a, you'll see just a lot of like visual lighting enhancements and also just things like camera angles yes there's a lot more variety in camera angles rather than octopath which is pretty much kind of the same kind of angle top down as you yes. yeah straight game. on mm-hmm. yeah that, mm-hmm. but they were when they're showing off like the the battles for example uh in the gameplay demo like like boosted attacks like it like the camera will tilt shift like behind the character as they're about to like swing their like their powered up attacks so there's a lot of like 
uh, camera choreography going on while while the first game very much had very little of that. Um, and as far as like gameplay mechanics, you'll have the familiar break and boost system from the first game, where like you hit an enemy's weakness to like take down like a shield, and then like they'll be, they'll be broken, so they're like vulnerable to attacks, and they'll be stunned for a turn. They mentioned that there'll be like a latent power uh, system. It's kind of like a special uh, mechanic system for uh, that you fill up in an ability gauge. They're not always like super powered attacks. Um, one of the latent powers they showed off at the TGS demo was Partitio, uh giving like four BP at the beginning of a turn to Hikari. Uh, so like so Hikari could like just uh, pretty much one shot like this enemy mob with like a powered up AOE attack uh, thanks to like the latent power that Partitio, uh gave him. By the way, uh, not to interrupt you, but I don't. Did I bury the lead and not say when this was releasing? My bad if I we, forgot. No, no, we, we did say it was coming out February twenty oh. fourth after the platforms. Yeah. All right, so we got so we got Fire Emblem in January, Octopath in February, and Zelda mm-hmm. in, in May. Yeah, we I get think to I, eat. <laughs> I think um, the one. I mean, obviously, like the the one question I have about this game. Obviously, they mentioned there'll be like crossover chapters and stories where like the actual main characters get to um, interact. I'm just worried that like it'll feel too mechanical. I don't want it to be a case where like, hey, there's this crossover story with Hikari and Agnia, and then like it's cool that they got this crossover story, and then like back to like Hikari chapter two, and where they don't acknowledge each other's existence mm-hmm. uh, after that. So I, I'm very interested to see like if they try to change up the the the, the structure of like each character having like their own linear solo chapters. Uh, and so forth, because it, that could feel weird. Um, but we'll see how they how they handle it. Um, and yeah, I I think just overall, it's a it's a pretty exciting sequel. I am kind of I, I was surprised that they're going back to the four uh, person party system from the first game because in Champions of the Continent, the mobile game, they actually had like a, a, an eight man party system where like eight characters take up the field and they have like a like a tag team action. Uh, for like they can like tag in the like the back row partner to like uh, fill in for them while they like passively heal in the background, and then they have like skills that like work off of like like synergy skills between the front and the back row character in that game. And I was like, I, I was thinking, I was like, I think they're gonna like put this in the sequel, but so far it doesn't seem like that. That's the case. So um, we'll see. Yeah, this looks really cool though. Like I'm 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 optimistic about it, but like I'm also kind of scared as well because I really thought the first octopath was interesting but it had like a but that was like purely from like oh it really brought it you know hd2d and like the ost was really nice and like a lot of like the 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 narrative structure was like oh, i don't know i don't know the next game we'll talk about is one that i think some people were expecting out of tgs but i don't know if they were expecting it to show up first at the nintendo direct of all things and that is the newest uh, Atelier game from Gust. And it is, to some people's no surprise, a follow-up to Atelier Ryza. So now it is a full trilogy. We've got Atelier Ryza 3, Alchemist of the End, and The Secret Key. Uh, showed up first in the Nintendo Direct, and then we got some follow-up trailer and footage from Koei Tecmo and Gust. It will be releasing also in February for Nintendo Switch, PC, and PlayStation consoles. And I think our, our main Gust you know, proponent here is James, who spoke very highly of of especially Ryza 2 and I believe that Ryza 2 snuck into our top 10 for the year uh, it top released. Five. Oh, it was top 5. Uh so I'm also, assuming that you go ahead. Also, I feel like uh that seems like stolen valor. I'm pretty sure well, Chow has definitely played more Gus games than I have. I definitely have. 
<laughs> he's like, yes, wow. I have. But uh, the best no. part about this but, game's announcement is not really about Ryza. We finally got playable boss. The playable school what? Bully, the school bully has finally become your best friend. That. Yeah, so he's this character in the Ryza series who has like a bit of a character arc where it's like, he, he, he's a little snob in one, does something that's really dumb, feels terrible about it, and then in two, he's like, you can see he's actively trying to become a better person, and like, there was a scene where it's like, yeah, I'll probably be playable in Rise of Three, which was basically what Gus was telling you. And now we got the official confirmation that he he is uh, bro is now actually part of the team. Oh, I did not realize that Octopath Traveler Two and Rise of Three literally had the same release date. Yeah, yep. so there you go. Good luck to Octopath Traveler Two. He's got stiff, <laughs> comp- stiff competition. <laughs> um. So we actually did have a chance to um, send over a few interview questions to uh, the head of Gus and the producer on the game, uh, Junzo Hosoi. Uh, and this is actually not the first time that we've uh, had a chance to interview him about the uh, Rise, well, not not Rise series, the Atelier series. But um, yeah, like, check it out. There's a bunch of uh, questions about, like, overall like game design and like what are some of the like changes for rise of three versus rise of two um i did ask also Junzo loves loves master chief yeah apparently. yeah so like a, a friend of the sites uh mikhail um who uh, writes for mock reactor and touch arcade um earlier this year asked asked them about if uh, there was any like ever any chance that the atelier series could come to xbox and the uh, the comment that he made then was like, oh, if there's enough demand. So I figured, well, when we sent the questions over, might as well do a follow up question, see if anything changed. And we got that little uh, golden nugget of nothing at this time. But he, he would really like to because he's a big fan of Master Chief. Do you think he really is a big fan of Master Chief or do you think he's just like uh, Xbox Master Chief? He seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it's funny either way. So, so we're saying Master Chief confirmed for the next Atelier game. There we go. Crossover event of the century. Yeah, but uh, Atelier is not coming to Xbox, so and neither is Octopath Traveler 2. So what are Xbox fans going to be doing in February? I don't know yet. Well, long if that comes out then. No, that's a good point. More on that later. I think we probably have at least one headline on that later in this giant podcast. But yeah, obviously we've had a couple people on staff that thought really highly of the Rise of series, and Sophie 2 did not quite hit that same bar seemingly so it'd be interesting to see how well rise of three does as purportedly like the culmination to rise of story and this is the first full trilogy well i know i know like the right the the atelier series is designed in trilogies just typically changing protagonists is that correct but this is the first time we've had a single protagonist through three games yeah so basically the arland uh, trilogy had uh totori Mururu, and uh what was uh, verona Morona. Um, the Dust Trilogy had Aisha, um, Eskin Logi, and uh, Shally. And then the, uh, what's what's the name of, what Mysterious Trilogy had? Uh, Lydia and so- um, Soel, um, Furious, and Sophie, was it? I think that's right. So yeah, I it's think like so too. Generally, generally, they have different protagonists for each game in like, the trilogy. But um, Ryza was the first time where like a protagonist returned with Ryza 2. And now it, it's like first Atelier protagonist and pro- quite possibly the only Atelier protagonist unless they do this uh, immediately next time. 
that's going with to Sophie. happen. And Riza, if there's anything uh, to, to be noted for all the screenshots of TGS uh, this week, uh, Japan really loves Riza. I wonder why. I think, I think a lot of people do. Riza? It, Rise it, it's it's so funny like everyone talks about the her character design it's like oh man how sexualized it is and i mean yeah but the actual games themselves it, it, you it, it's funny like the games themselves doesn't sexualize anything to the point where i've like especially rise of one i feel comfortable like recommending that to like anyone yeah and you thought obviously really highly of the second game especially so hopefully the third game hits that same bar so yep so yeah, obviously we do have the announcement trailer as well as the uh, the interview where we were able to ask them some questions and get some feedback on the uh, design aspirations for the game and things like that. All right, I do know uh, this is sort of in a wheelhouse. We do cover these sorts of games sometimes, but I, I know as soon as the Nintendo Direct closed, ev- people were like joking or memeing that everything was farming sims. And there were a decent number of farming sims. Uh, one of the ones that was on there was an announcement of Rune Factory 3 Special will release on the Switch at some point in 2023, uh, along with a casual like side announcement that a new game in the Rune Factory series is in development, but we won't have details quite, quite yet. Not quite. Mm-hmm. The announcement on the Nintendo Direct was specifically there is a new Rune Factory series in development. Oh, not a new game in the series. Like it's a sort of spinoff. So we'll have huh. to see what exactly that means. But it was very interesting wording. Very interesting wording. I mean, so, uh, they must as someone who's as someone who's not played the Rune Factory games, like are the special releases like HD remasters or remakes or uh, like what, what the special when it has a special remasters. tagline on it? All right, it's a remaster. Um, but the third one, this third special, it's going to have a lot of new content in it apparently because you know free is really aged because it used to came out for the DS and they added a lot of things over the years in the game and and they kind of hint that there is going to be a lot of new quality of life content in there. Um, how, how does uh, Root Factory Three like what what's the uh, uh, perspective on it or perception on it from like Root Factory fans like is it, like depending the, on, the on who you ones? ask. It's depending probably on who a you ask, favorite. it's either the best or second best in the series. Oh wow, okay. I actually, it's my personal favorite. Um, it has it has a lot shorter pace of the game, and because of that, they kept trying to time gate you in the further games with uh, town events because people found that people were beating Root Factory Freak way too fast. You could probably like get this game done in ten hours, probably, and you know it's like. Okay, we gotta time gate the player somehow. So let's add randomized events to screw the players over. And I hate town events, but yeah, it, it they definitely overcorrected because especially on 3ds, I think they improved it in special. But on 3ds, because the way that Rune Factory Four was um, kind of uh, segmented, there was like a three act structure. Uh, you had to. I, I think you were gated behind getting married before you could do the third act. Or something like that. You weren't gated behind a marriage, but I I know in the second game, I mean the third game is as soon as you get married, the game's over, and that's it. And that's probably why they hinted in the trailer saying there's a lot of new things added post marriage, you know? Or they're saying that like, you know, life doesn't end out as soon as you get married now? Oh no. Uh, I think the worst thing about the third game was that the kids that you have were like mindless robots that only say one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they had to do something about that. They had to change that part. So, yeah. 
Uh, the third game has the most quirky characters in the series. Uh, okay. I would really recommend it if you like wacky, quirky characters in this one. Because none of the games have the same charm as this one when it comes to quirky characters. I'm uh, interested to see how, like, how, like, how, like, in the, the there's just like there's developing like, uh, like rivalry behind the scenes now with like uh, the Rune Factory and Harvestella coming. It's like people are starting to eye Harvestella. It's like, is it gonna give me what what Rune Factory didn't? Well, there's one thing that Rune Factory doesn't give you, uh, or, or at least in the third game. There's a girl that will tell you that you will die in a tornado as her confession, to, oh. that she'll love you. So, oh. yeah. Say, that, say <laughs> that one more time, a little bit slower. The girl is in a tornado when she confesses? No, she will tell you that I want you to die in a tornado, or something oh. like that. I, I can't remember the exact quote, but because this girl, her way of expressing her love is to say the opposite. No. So... Uh, Sunderer. I wish you die in a tornado or something like that. <laughs> That's her confession to you. And then people are like, "Wow, she's she, she's just for me, for real." For real. <laughs> she has such a way with words. <laughs> and because like no, none of the characters understand her, so she's kind of like an outcast in the town, right? So yeah. But yeah, I don't think Harstella has a character that will tell you to die in a tornado when she confesses her true love to you. Oh, sorry, so Harstella. So I did not grab a headline for Harvestella from the Nintendo Direct. Was it just a demo announcement? Is that yeah, pretty much what yeah. it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, only on Switch. Trailer. Or on consoles, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the Harvestella stuff is, I think it's maybe noted a little bit later, but yeah, the, the main thing for Harvestella is, you know, the uh, a demo release for Switch on that day. Um, no, no no demo coming for the PC version. And, you know, they're just like, and a new trailer. They also showed like a gameplay demo during their TGS presentation, but nothing too new for it. Mm-hmm. All right, here's something that I'm like grinning to myself as we look at, just because it's a silly. All right, as we were looking forward to TGS in last week's podcast, we did know that the Tales of Studio over Bandai Namco was going to show something. And we we uh, predicted that we uh, it's probably not you know time to see a new title announced quite yet, so we'll probably see a remaster. And we said uh, maybe a Zilla pairing, maybe a Legendia. Uh, how many people expected that we would get the announcement of a Tales of Symphonia remastered? How excited like are we for I, this? I feel like I feel like we're we're we we don't need to uh, run uh, uh, Bamco's PR for them. They're calling this remastered. It's just the port. Yeah, Adam, I got, got really blindsided by this. The uh, sad part is the best version is still the GameCube version. <laughs> okay, let's, let's let's break it down. Okay, so Tales of Symphonia Remastered coming early 2023 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. Um, at the time, we didn't know what this was going to have. Like uh, The email that we got initially was like, quote-unquote, HD visual enhancements, gameplay improvements, and new features. Um, later on, when the official website for Tales of Symphonia Remastered uh, came out. They did confirm. Yes, this is still going to be in 30 FPS. It will not get a, a frame rate boost. It'll still have. It'll still be based off the PS3 version. It's the the graphics are getting slightly touched up, being a little bit more saturated, a little bit more, uh, like kind of sharper. Um, and then they you know revealed like kind of the specs for it with uh on on all the platforms it's being released on. It'll be uh go up to 1080p max. For um, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, on Switch on uh, TV, tabletop, and handheld, it'll go up to 720p. Um, they'll all be in 30 FPS. Um, there's no online play at all for a- any of these. They do support local mu- multiplayer uh, up to four players on all the platforms. 
and that's pretty much like the long short of it um and i I saw some people saying like why no pc release it's like well it pretty much just is the pc release symphonia on pc is like 15 bucks right now and it's probably going to be in a better state than the actual like remaster quote unquote and it's i know it's been on sale like uh for for all we're kind of taking the you know goofing on band uh, Nameco here, they do often put their PC offerings in the series on pretty deep discounts. I know Tales of Symphonia. I'm pretty sure if you wait, you can get it for five bucks on PC. I don't know the status of PC mods to get it to 60 FPS, but it's been on PC for like seven years. So I'm so I'm sure it's no. yeah. Wasn't it like if you try to 60 FPS, the game speeds up by double or something? Uh, like as that? far as I know, that you you can't you, that there have been no 60 FPS like stable 60 FPS mods for the uh, PC. Uh, release of Symphonia. And I, I know oh. some people have said, like, well, the logic's tied to it. It is what it is. But the GameCube version was 60 FPS. That's kind of like why this is different from other games that have like that logic issue, uh, kind of that bugbear that prevents it from being a uh, higher frame rate, is that this game, 20 years ago when it released, was 60 FPS on GameCube. Uh, and it hasn't been 60 FPS on any other console yeah. since. I think the gist of it is like when they made the PS2 version back in the day, uh, you know, that game ran at 30 FPS or something like that, but they added a bunch of new content, and now they didn't want to go back to using the GameCube base or something to port it or something. That's what so yeah, basically all the remasters since then have been paced on the PS2 version. Yeah, I, um, I, I also might just be a source code issue as well, like maybe you don't have the GameCube source code anymore. <laughs> yeah, I do um, I do want to be a little bit like positive here. Like as soon as this was announced, or like within the week, uh, we like I love Symphonia. I'm a bit nostalgic. I am a I'm a normie that played it on GameCube as my first, you know, Tales of game. Uh, I still have a lot of fond memories of the story and the music and all that. It's a, I think it's a really great great game, though. Admittedly, I haven't played it in like ten years. So Symphonia uh, is great, a good but... game, but um, this just seems like, like a, a weird way to reintroduce it to the audiences. Go ahead, like, I, I just feel like the new content wasn't worth it. I'd rather play the game at 60 FPS over the new content. I honestly don't even remember like what exactly the new content is. It wasn't something quite as substantial as like Vesperia's, where I was a different character. I think it's really weird that like the PS3 release was the only one that had Dawn of the New World, the sequel, in it. Every other Mm -hmm. freaking release just doesn't have that. PC didn't doesn't have it. Uh, This Mm -hmm. new remaster doesn't have Dawn of the New World. Like you know. Dawn of the New World gets clowned on, but it's like it's not an absolutely awful game either. So, I mean, well, and just because just, it might not hit the same bar doesn't mean it should be yeah. like shunned and like yeah, held hostage on the Wii or wherever. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. The only time we ever saw it was like uh, obviously the original we released and then it was bundled with Tales of Symphonia uh, on the PS3, and that's it. Yep. So, very weird. So, so no yeah, remaster I mean, I, I of Jilla, no remaster yeah. of Graces. This is <laughs> or Legendia. Yeah. Uh, like like it it I think it's it, this only this only feels bad because you see every other like HD remaster kind of doing right by the original releases of those games, especially one of the big ones coming later. Uh, uh, but as of now, it's just like it just this one feels like a stick in the mud because every other HD remaster feels like they're doing right by the game original game. Yeah, and I think the main thing for me here is that they're calling it a remaster, but it's like even on like PS4 Pro or Xbox One X or even like PS5 or Series X. Yeah. It's still 1080p. Yeah. It's still that's, 1080p. That's bizarre. So like the price for this is going to be 40 bucks and it's like it doesn't come with anything that's not already in the PC version which you can get running at 4K no problem with like fan enhancements for like the outlines and like each like 4K texture packs and whatnot. It's like if you're going to play this like if you want to replay Symphonia, first off, you should probably just emulate the GameCube version. 
But second, it's like if you really, really want the content that was like added to the PS2 version, don't don't buy don't buy this. Buy the PC version. It'll run on a toaster. Don't do this to yourself. I almost I almost want to look up like what the PS2 editions even were, but that's kind of a tangent at this point because unless you're playing costumes, the- like little mini quests that lead to like new costumes, and that's about that's like the main thing. I mean, Dallas Symphony is still a great game, uh, and I guess it might have been they might have softened the blow a bit if they're just saying it's coming to Switch and they didn't like they didn't like purport it as this remastered special thing. They're just like it's it's a port. We're bringing it to Switch. You can play it on the go now. It is what it is. I don't know. Uh, did we get a release date for this? No. Early next year. year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another new announcement. That we're going to kind of go into a list of Square Enix-based announcements that first showed up in the Nintendo Direct, but then several of these were followed up on in later streams throughout the week in some cases. Uh, the first one I have listed here is the announcement of a new game in the Theater Rhythm series. Uh, Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line is releasing on Nintendo Switch and PS4 on February 16th of 2023. We, they released a trailer going over some of the details of the announcement and some of the um, things that we'll be seeing in those. Uh, I think Josh is the one that has expressed a lot of interest in this series specifically. And I know James typically likes games of this genre as well. But I don't know if he likes the theater rhythm series specifically. Uh, I can tell you this: this uh, release is very clearly based off of the arcade cat um, arcade yeah. game All Star Carnival, which is uh, good, <laughs> very yeah, good. Yeah, it's real good. Um, it, it's kind of funny because, like, from the outside looking in, like. I, I, like a bunch of people were like, man, there's so many rhythm games coming out recently. And as someone that's really into rhythm games, not really. Most of the like, re- like big rhythm game releases we've gotten in the last couple like years have just been arcade ports, which means mm-hmm. that no actual new rhythm games besides for like Melody of Memory. That was the last real new rhythm game that's come out in like a long time. I'm so excited for this because uh, my round one no longer has the All Star Carnival. Uh, oh, they, um, they, they took out they took out the cab. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. It was also one of those things where it was very weird. Where if you wanted to like save your high scores using like a uh, Nessica card, um, you kind of didn't want to because like you would be forced into unlocking songs but if you did not use a card you just had everything unlocked on that cabinet from the start so it was like <laughs> okay. why would you why would you do that um but yeah like what i have played of all star carnival is very promising i do like the little changes they make to it where it's like you have like two uh well i think they were trackballs on the actual cabinet but obviously yes. it's going to be um the analog six this time where it's like you can swipe in different directions with those and now goodbye like, your analog sticks <laughs> oh god do not get this on switch you'll get joy con drift almost immediately even, even on your even, even on your dual shot you might take a drift as well um yeah your, your analog sticks is going to be destroyed on higher difficulties of this game like they already announced like a bunch of like I think this will have like almost four hundred songs at like the, the, the base release and then you're, you're gonna have even more uh through DLC from like other Square Enix properties like World Dance with You, Monasteries, Octopath, Live Alive, Near, and more. Um Saga. There's so many saga songs that yes. on the website where it's like, okay, here's all the Final Fantasy songs. Now here's other Square Next titles. And it's like, okay, so here's a list of like Chrono Trigger, The World Ends With You, uh mana etc etc and then like right below that there's an entire section dedicated to here's every song game in existence <laughs> yeah um you, you will not run out of songs to play at any, at any time in this game uh it is so 
chock full with content. Um, you have, you know, you're basically your ba- basically like a rhythm game for like the score battles. It just uh, supports up to like uh, online uh, four player multiplayer. This also has like the uh, the RPG mode that you saw like the original like uh, theatrhythm games on the 3DS. So like you can like build up your characters, level them up uh, like that, and uh, equip them with items. Um, I'm excited. This looks really good. Uh, this, I... Uh, this I, I wish this had a P- had a PC release, but I'll at least I'll take PS4. I will say though one thing that's very very disappointing Chuck. is that um, there is a set of songs that you need to get the digital deluxe edition or or above to get. Oh really? There's like a set of 27 extra music tracks that you just cannot buy separately, which means that if you want to have like, and I think the thing that's really fucked up is I. Well, I, I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure one of those 27 songs is Suteki Dane, which means oh, that if you yeah. need, if you want to you play that song, which obviously is a major fucking song as far as like Final Fantasy music is concerned, you need to get the digital deluxe edition oh. or the uh, premium digital deluxe edition. All right, kind of fucked up. Fine, I'll pay that stupid expensive edition. Uh yeah, so it has the it has the base 385 songs, additional 27, like you said, for the digital deluxe, and then. Uh, to the upcoming DLC with the Saga World Ends View Live Live and all that. So, who knows once all is said and done how packed this will be? But it seems like it's going to be pretty damn comprehensive. Yeah, it's uh, obviously they they said to have like over a hundred characters from FF in the game, like your usual theatrism, like just sticks in as many FF characters in it as possible, for, like uh, as like as the, the as the people dancing in your party and be be part of your party members and all that, like. There's going up to um, FF15, I believe, right? There's no, there's no FF16 anything in it yet. So, uh, as far as we know, just everything of every FF up until uh, 15. And yeah, then and the here, 14 songs only goes up to uh, Shadowbringers right now. Okay, and that's but those are both things that they potentially could uh, add as DLC. Could add on to, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, that, yeah. If there's anything that the theatrhythm loves to do, is like uh, long-term DLC support. Mm-hmm. We finally got a release date, and I know I think Adam might be one of the most excited for this for the remaster for Romancing Saga Minstrel Song. It will release on December first, so this might not be too big of a of a deal. But for our site coverage, we we go December to December, so Romancing Saga will be one day out of the running for potentially best remaster of the year um, for our site. Which might not matter too much, but December first, Adam. Uh, I don't know if there was anything specific you saw because we got some more details about like new playable characters in the remaster. Correction, and, uh, correction. I, I just mm-hmm. looked it up. Um, it's not Suteki Dane. That's uh, one of the uh, digital deluxe only ones. It's Chizanarkand. You oh, have to. Uh, you I mean, have. So you have much to, the same tier though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like when yes. you start up Final Fantasy X, that's the first thing you hear. Yep. <laughs> So, oh my god, I am so fucking pissed. What Distant Worlds from FF11 is also part of that. <laughs> Square! <laughs> All right. Forever right. buy the super expensive edition. James. I can't Adam. believe Square Next has done this. <laughs> Romancing Saga Minstrel Song. How hype? So, I actually didn't really play this that long ago. It's like two years, not even. I played one character. I really, really like this game. I wrote up why I like this game and also just the saga series in general and I didn't play anymore because I was hoping it would get a remaster at the time and it did um so 
The thing is with these saga remasters is that they seem to add like similar, you know, additions to, you know, Romancing Saga 3, Saga Frontier, um, things like you, you have multiple characters, you have eight playable characters. And in the original game, if you do a playthrough of the game and then you want to play as a new character, you're starting from scratch. Where now they added a new game plus mode. So any character that you like trained up, gotten equipment for, whatever, in your one playthrough, if you recruit them again, they'll be powerful again. Um, so that's conducive to like replays. And the way that Saga or uh, Minstrel Song is basically designed is um, it's pretty much impossible to see everything that game has to offer in one playthrough, just the way it's designed. So it's, you want to play it more than once, and this will help you do that. And then it also has, you know, high speed mode. Um, it seems like people think there's now an event rank listing in the game. Um, if you're not familiar with event rank, it's a saga thing. Um, and then they did add uh, new playable characters. Um, some of them are like key story characters that are in the that were in the original game, just weren't playable, but now they are. Um, and then there's like super bosses and things like that. So it looks, you know, and obviously they a lot of visual changes and menu changes as well. It looks pretty good. You know, obviously the art style takes a little bit of getting used to, but I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, uh, they, they even mentioned like on the Tokyo Game Show uh, stream, like they've created new assets uh, for uh, Minstrel Song Remastered because uh, the Sorceress Aldora, uh, for people who play that game, no Aldora, uh, is now uh, playable. And like they, there's like an event story, uh, new event story with Aldora. That's like the, they actually I remember correctly, back. she is in the original game, but she like possesses a different character. So yeah. now it's like she's playable as her own character rather than just like as someone else. Form. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's uh it's pretty pretty cool. Like I, I watched uh, them play uh, it on the at the TGS stream and it looks it looks awesome. I'm I'm really excited to revisit this uh game. I, I, I like you, like I played it way long ago, but I only played like through one uh one character as well. And it's um I, I'm I'm so happy that like it's so weird that like Saga like the Saga series has like gotten like the golden treatment when it comes to like their their uh, uh, re-releases. They're, they're the opposite of Tales of Symphonia remastered. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because obviously uh, Saga Frontiers remaster we gave our best remaster uh, award to back when it released. Um, Romantic Saga Mitchell Song seems like it's taking at least a similar level of care in terms of trying to put the best foot forward for people that did not play this game when it originally came out on uh, on PS2, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So we have the December 1st for that one. We also got a new trailer for Crisis Core's remaster or remake. This one's this is one of the ones where it might be a you could go either way on it. Uh, this is for Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Uh, this was already announced previously in the year for a winter release, but we didn't know specifically what that meant. I would have guessed that it would have meant a January-February release, but uh turns out it's releasing on December 13th. Uh, so Crisis Core's remaster will be releasing also in the calendar year. We got a new trailer for that uh, at Nintendo Direct. I think we might have got a few more details and some gameplay footage after that from the TGS streams. And on top of that, uh, James was able to actually go. Uh, were you able to go hands on with this game uh, yes, over the last uh, week as on well? Both, uh, on both PS5 and Switch. Yeah. So I guess I'll say this is coming out on PC. Uh, everything. It's coming out. Yes, this one is actually everything. coming out on Xbox consoles. So I'll hand it off to you. Uh, what you thought of your time with. Did you mentioned that December, the December 13 release date. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you okay. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so first off, um, as people have definitely uh, taken uh, 
too on my uh, impressions. The Switch version is uh, surprisingly enough actually really, really good. Like, uh, it seems like during gameplay, it's like tar- it's targeting 720p. Like, only during cutscenes, it really noticeably dips the resolution and like the frame rate's good and solid. It's like not a stuttery frame droppy mess like i think people kind of expected looking at the graphics is it, is it targeting 60 on a switch handheld i i believe so i okay. th- one of the things that's confusing i think is that uh, at the square enix events at um in la they one thing i noticed is that they had motion smoothing on the tvs oh okay. no <laughs> <laughs> so i played in the handheld mode on switch and i think it's 60 fps i think it's 60. okay i okay. even if it's not it's if it if it's not 60 it's definitely a very smooth 30 nothing to worry about there if you want to play it on like on switch that's a very good version of the game okay it looks great it plays great don't worry about it but um yeah, I did notice that the uh, the PS5 version obviously looks very good. Um, it, that's definitely 4K 60. It's it's a remaster of a PSP game. Nothing to worry about there. But uh, yeah, that was probably the demo. No, definitely the demo I played that was the shortest because it was basically just the very tail end of Chapter 2. So you fought these two overlooking dudes and then you had the fight against a couple of uh, genesis uh copies and then a fight against ifrit and then i was done so i did that twice both on uh, playstation 5 and nintendo switch how did it feel how did it feel to play like i, I i'm not sure if like you've uh, well, to play the psp well, so i hadn't played the psp version so before i wrote up my impressions i booted up the psp version just to see I did the opening battle and then I immediately deleted it off my Vita. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, it is a night and day difference with the uh, remaster. It's okay. an actual like action RPG now. It actually feels good to play. You don't have right. like this weird like uh, system where you have to choose your action on a like slate of actions on the bottom right mm-hmm. you just have a basic ass attack button you have a quick you have a right button. analog stick yeah you don't right have to you don't stick. have to crab claw l and r for the camera yeah you've got like an actual like uh attack chain like attack combo you've got a decent dodge you've got access to like uh shortcut keys to do your um like skills and like spells it's like it it works really, really well. It actually feels good. And like, especially when you're going up against bosses, when they're like channeling their strong attacks, you can attack them. And if you uh, deal enough uh, damage to them um, in a period of time, can even cancel their special attacks. But yeah, I, I noticed that actually, like uh, in some of the footage I watched, like usually like in the, in the old version, you'd like they have a wind up to it. Of um, this one, like they have like an ability bar. And like you, as you like put down that ability bar, uh, you can like lessen the damage on it after like meeting through certain thresholds that if you get it uh, take it out completely like you said it'll just cancel it completely as well which is a really interesting addition to the gameplay so yeah it's like it's definitely a case where i i hadn't played crisis core yet and it's like uh if you haven't played crisis core yet as far as i'm concerned looking at the original versus the remaster especially with how it plays especially with how it plays 
just wait for I'm, the remaster. Play the I remember remaster. For, I remember for the original, because obviously it was uh, PSP, so One Little Nubby, uh, things like that, that, uh, first of all, I, I'm looking at like some of these characters like Cisne and things like that, where I played this game, but my memory is, I'm old, it's shot, I'm like, I don't remember what happens. Uh, I remember how it ends, but I don't remember, of course everyone does. <laughs> everyone remembers <laughs> how it ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I'm, in, I'm interested in revisiting this just to like, because if Final Fantasy VII is Vogue again, uh, who knows what Square Enix is going to sneak in here for their ongoing revival they project promise. of this it's a, it's a faithful uh, recreation. Oh, well, you say that, but they changed all the voice actors, which I know some people are really uh, passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, my, but, my favorite thing is everyone saying, I'm, 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 I'm afraid Reunion won't uh, have a voice delivery as good as this, where, where it's Zach asking Angel, it's like, where are you at? What were you up to? Moral domination. That's not even funny, man. Me, <laughs> <laughs> Gaga. Yeah. But I, I'm but yeah. looking forward to replaying this. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really have a lot of attachment to the old voices, but I know a lot of people did. I um, actually don't think they're that good. The new cast are <laughs> superior in every way. Uh, so I am cool. going to be putting up a PSA after this podcast just because it seems like not many people. Like it's not embargoed information, so I can just say it. If if you're not a fan of the new voices, the there is a Japanese voice track. You can use it on the English version. So okay, like I can have gas. Any doubt? <laughs> no, not really. But some people won't believe you until it's like actually confirmed. So hmm. yeah, we know that all too well on the site. <laughs> Well, if someone asks me what the source is this time, I can just tell them my eyes. They won't <laughs> or your ears? You like, uh-uh. my ears. Uh-uh. That too. <laughs> they won't believe you. But yeah, the, uh, cool. Cool to hear. Uh, I, it looks, it's looking really sharp. I want to play it again. Adam, I might need your help on this one because this one I know has some very particular details that I hopefully I want to make sure I get them straight. So back in that February Nintendo Direct that we mentioned at the start of this podcast, we learned of a remake for the first Front Mission game was coming to Nintendo Switch. Front Mission First Remake being published by Forever Entertainment. We got a follow up for this Nintendo Direct where we learned that we are also getting remakes for the second and third Front Mission games. You've already made a mistake. See, I knew I would. All right, I'll take it away. So, I mean, I've never played Front Mission, so I'm not like an expert. But back in February, they announced 1 and 2. That's it. 1 was announced with a summer date, and 2 was just later. Um, and then now, they announced 1 is coming out in November. No, no hard date, just November. So it, it's missed the summer date it was given earlier. 2 is coming out next year. And then they also announced... They are doing three, which is new. They didn't announce that before. So there's one, two, and three, all confirmed being remade. One is coming out in November. Two is coming out next year. Three is presumably next year, but actually they haven't said anything. Just three is also coming. Um, one thing that's sort of interesting is that if you go to the uh, developer web pages on these, uh, or the, uh, the, uh, the official website for these, um, they each list like a different developer. And I don't this know. This was the like, part. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the part I wanted. wanted to make sure we get. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 company that's like announcing this is technically not Square Enix. It's a Square Enix IP, but it's Forever Entertainment, who's based in Poland. Um, and they did the uh, the what is it? The Panzer Dragoon remake. Um, I hope I have that right. I think but anyways, so. the uh, the uh, official website for Front Mission Two also lists 
let me grab it here, uh, Storm Trident, which I've never heard of, as a developer, some some company named Storm Trident, and Formation 3 has Megapixel Studios, so it's just kind of interesting, I guess, like, we have three different studios working on I the remakes. All hands on deck of, like, studios you really haven't heard of, hop on. You yeah. want to work on Front Mission? Here's your chance. I'm like, all right, let's go. But yeah, they're all coming, they're all only announced for Switch. Um, they're Switch exclusive right now, which is sort of interesting. But yeah, there's, um, one is the first one coming, and that's coming out in November sometime. Uh, I'm sure, like, you know, like, I think it's really weird. I th- I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited as all hell, too, because I love the Front Mission series. So the more, you know, re-releases of the older games that give, uh, being more accessible to, like, a modern audience, uh, sure, why not? You know, it's hard to get a hold of them these days if you're not going the emulation route. Um, I I wonder what like the end goal is for this because you don't make like a series like a series of remakes of like a, a certain series unless you have like a like a, a broader goal, right? Um, so I've I hope I hope they're all awesome. You know, I'm I'm here for it. I love these uh, a giant robot mech strategy RPGs. Um, yeah. <laughs> A couple other small things that came out of the Nintendo Direct. Um, one of them is something that I think we were kind of expecting. Obviously, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, we've talked about a lot over the summer since its release. We do know that it has a pending expansion pass. Uh, we learned a little bit about the first, or I guess the second wave from the expansion pass. Uh, we knew kind of based on the in-game menu that it was going to include like challenge battles and a new hero. We learned from the Nintendo Direct that it will be coming out on October 13th. The new hero is named Eno. She is a mechanical girl that apparently utilizes ether cylinders in some way which is kind of like hey i've got a ton of those in the game so that works out for me uh sure i know some say that again are you sure that wasn't mountain dew that she was chugging <laughs> yeah there's some amusing street shots of uh, her really uh sipping on some high ether cylinders uh they also did give a little bit of a teaser for the wave three of the expansion pass where we already know another hero will be announced but there's an image that teases two heroes participating in battle at once obviously in the base game you've got your six party members and one hero i saw some people disappointed that this hero wasn't like a crossover because i do know that xenoblade chronicles 2 kind of set the stage for basically being like fan service laden in terms of reintroducing old characters i saw some people say like if they're gonna do a mechanical girl why not just have it be poppy um which i'm actually kind of like you know why not? But uh, we got a little bit of a trailer. I like, I like new characters. I, I'm, yeah. I'm pro new character. Not everything has to be a crossover with past games. Mm. They already, t- technically, without spoiling, um, you know, Xenoblade 3 kind of already does that. We got, there's a few other things that they show, like some costumes, like there's swimsuits now for the characters, because of course there are. Um, yeah, like that, yeah, that's a challenge. Like for, that, those are rewards from the challenge battles. Like they kind of do it with Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as well in that expansion pass. So, like the challenge battles come in like uh, several difficulties, and then you're like given like a, like it's like a time attack challenge with like your, your party is only like this level, uh, try to take out these uh, enemies as fast as possible. And then depending on like what rank you get in the, from the time, like you'll get rewarded. So like uh, for some of the challenge battles, you'll get you'll earn swimsuits for the for your main party. And some of them look great, and some of them uh, look like Lanz's uh, swimsuit. Well, uh, I remember in if I remember right, in Zelda Chronicles two, whenever you got stuff that you would like uh, get cosmetic outfits for like your blades you yeah, actually had to equip them. Them. yeah you had to equip them as accessories which was kind of like well if i want to have this character wear this then i have to live with these stats where now obviously you know the credit 
three has the different like the wardrobe clothing system. So yeah. I think that's a smarter framework for that. So that'll be kind of nice. Uh, though admittedly, like I, when I got the game, I got some like alternate outfits or whatever, and I never bothered to use them. But I know some people, some people, some people really like being able to dress. You already up have so many alternate outfits too with the, the class change system as well. Yeah, it's true. I've never used that either. Uh, but yeah, obviously, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is a game that I think most of us feel pretty highly of to different degrees. Uh, so uh, we know that Chronicles 2 was well supported after launch, and it looks like 3 will be the same. So we've got the October 13th release for the first hero, uh, and then obviously a tease for the next one. Don't know if that's going to be this calendar year or early next. Uh, but they'll be released throughout the end of 2023, which we expect that the final uh, expansion pass update will be something a little bit more major. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest and be like, I probably won't touch this game again until like the story expansion is around the corner. Mm. Um, Same. Yeah, I just like it, th- th- there's just so much video game there. Like I I need a break for a little bit. Mm. And then here is one that I don't think people were expecting, uh, and that is we got a console port for the Team Asano game Various Daylife. If that name sounds familiar, it's because it originally released on Apple Arcade back in 2019. It is described as an everyday life adventure RPG. Oh, I guess it wasn't, but why did I think it was Team Asano? Maybe it wasn't. Uh, I mean, I mean Asano supervises the Team Asano uh, font for the yeah. title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Asano, Asano does super, is like supervising that project as well. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess they... Mm-hmm. And uh, this, so this is now on. I said console port is also on Steam as well. So PC, PS4, and Switch. It is available now um, on all on all platforms. And I've I've seen some people describe this as like Naruto D rank mission, the RPG or whatever, where you're just doing like random tasks throughout the city. Uh, it's various day life. <laughs> yeah, I guess I mean, that, it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, lie to you. The, the the title isn't lying to you. Not everything needs to be world-ending crisis, okay? I mean, I don't know how how the actual quality of the game is. All I remember is like the Steam rating for the first few days was like mostly negative, and now it's back to mixed. So I think people are loving it, uh, relative to your expectations, at least. But yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I was surprised at how much this art style kind of looks like Bravely Default too. It's not yeah. quite the same, but it has a similar kind of aesthetic to it. It's like a prototype uh, of Bravely Default 2's visuals. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't know if we'll have anyone like it's this kind of shadow dropped and no, I don't think anyone's expecting it. Maybe we'll be able to poke at it uh, before the end of the year. But it seems like it's kind of got, uh, like you said, a mixed rating on Steam. So don't know how how interested people are in this, but maybe we'll have some people get the I don't remember if we I have was... potentially Paige or someone looking at this. Yeah, no, yeah, no promises, but uh, it is available now once once we have any sort of relief on the release schedule maybe someone will look at it but uh, i was doing research for the for this uh title because i didn't do much research on it and uh it came out on uh, from when it came out on apple arcade uh one at the very least uh, with this news we we do know it is possible for rpgs that are previously apple arcade exclusive to come okay. out <laughs> to come Don't out get your hopes I'm, up I'm, about I'm, I'm not saying anything i'm just saying like you know the, this is a, an instance not not saying anything else um this two, isn't even the first yeah. instance because there was that uh, game from the Danganronpa creator. I forget the name of it exactly. Fuck, fuck. Uh, uh, what was it? You know, know which one I'm talking about, though. No, I don't. <laughs> which one? Uh, World Ends Club? World yeah, World yeah Club. there we go. World Ends Club, yes. Yeah, World Ends Club came. But the thing of Fantasian is that literally, like, Sakaguchi's on the record saying that the whole, like, genesis of the project was I want to make a game for Apple Arcade. 
and there's photos of uh, Tim Cook at uh, Miss Walker's offices. So I, I, I hey, never really, say never. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, there's always a chance of something happening, like a one percent maybe. But I, I look, Miss Walker's games have never been ported at all. That's a good point. I. <sighs> I, I want more people to play Fantasia. I think everyone here wants more people to play Fantasia. We gave it our RPG of the year last year, but it's like, just because this is getting ported, don't assume Fantasia is. I never said anything. I never said the 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 F word uh, here. <laughs> We're uh, implying it though. Didn't say anything. Uh, two, uh, the 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 studio development studio that made their various day life, uh, Doki Doki Groove. Uh, they were all. They previously developed that uh, shut down uh, Valkyrie profile uh, mobile RPG, the Valkyrie Anatomia the Origin. I was like, oh, they're the ones who are who worked on this. So, but that's about it. I mean, nothing else to say. I I don't dare any other. Uh, uh, I don't want to say the F word anymore. Here, and that's all I had. We're here. We are an hour and forty minutes in, and we're finally through Tuesday's Nintendo Direct. Hooray! No, as Hooray. as always, recently Nintendo Direct has a lot of stuff for our purview, and we, I don't think we covered absolutely everything, but we hit all the highlights. Uh, obviously, thank you so much to Josh, and James, and Adam for and, and Kite as well for especially for looking on the Japanese side. There was one title on the Japanese Nintendo Direct. I might as well bring that up here. Uh, which one was that? It's like the the Persona game, only it's like elements of like the periodic table. What was that game? <laughs> oh man it's like it's like oh let me go check real fast it is oh there we go uh ketsugo danshi elements with emotions for switch ios and android uh, in 2023 in japan um it yeah like you said the it's like the characters in it are like representing elements of the periodic table like the core four uh represent hydrogen oxygen carbon and beryllium and then <laughs> they'll have dlc characters uh, that represent other elements like nitrogen lithium iron fluorine chlorine and sulfur and i know i know adam was getting pissed i was, was like what the fuck is going on with this game because adam is familiar and works in that field professionally i was, I was joking that those three are like three atmospheric elements and then beryllium which is like a mineral it's like <laughs> yeah. does that make sense no, I was like, you maybe this. maybe beryllium is the outcast yeah he's like he's like He's the emo kid. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, these characters will have uh, powers based on the ke- chemical elements they uh, represent, and like it's like the the stories like uh, the it will take place in a world that will see a doomsday in fi- fifty days. That's all I really know out of it. But yeah, that's uh, but that's like the the Japanese side of these. I don't know if it's ever gonna come here. Get a localization. Yeah. Who knows? But. Uh, so announced for Switch and mobile for next year for Japan. Only showed up in the Japanese Nintendo Direct. Uh, Kite covered this for us. I do enjoy this line from the coverage. When the hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen characters attack together, it will produce carbonic acid attack. <laughs> Just like, oh, this is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how I'm going to learn chemistry. This is <laughs> you know, you're not. You're probably not wrong for some people going into this game. It's like, oh, <laughs> that, that's what happens. <laughs> So maybe that's why they pick beryllium because there's apparently some very dangerous uses of beryllium. I'm not sure. I'm not gonna ask. But yeah, they, just they, giving, they giving, giving giving that a shout out as an RPG game that showed up in the Nintendo Direct, though obviously no indication of a Western release. So obviously on Tuesday we also had the um, Sony State of Play event in the afternoon. Between the two events, 
I believe it showed up between the two events. We yes. did have one somewhat related announcement that just kind of came out of nowhere, though I think at least one of us here was expecting and hoping for, and that is for Triangle Strategy. So maybe we could have brought this up when we were talking about Octopath Traveler 2. Triangle Strategy, obviously also by Square Enix using the HD2D engine uh, released earlier this year in March, so we've covered it on previous podcasts. It is coming to PC next month on October 13th. Uh, so I know Adam was basically waiting for this because he's like, I'll play it once it comes to PC. Um, Octopath Traveler and Bravely Default 2 both made their way to PC in a similar-ish time frame. So this wasn't completely unexpected, but here it is. Uh, so for next month, Adam, are you going to make time for this? Bye. There's so many other things coming out too, but I'll try. Yep. Yeah. I'll try. Uh, I'll try. It's like the it's mantra good. of the year. Uh, yeah. Good game. I really enjoyed it. Um, Adam will get yeah, to enjoy uh, an HD 2D the, game in 60 FPS. The amusing thing about this is like there's a bundle with it at various day life on Steam. And it's basically you get this game at like 60 bucks and then you get like various day life for free with that bundle. And then various day life by itself, you just purchase various day life and it's like 30 bucks. So it's like, what a deal. <laughs> Best value. Be interesting to see because I, I think Triangle Strategy was our most anticipated game of the year. And I don't know if it hit quite that high, but I, I did think it was pretty good. I don't, I'll have to like kind of reflect on it and say like, how well did I really think it did relative to other releases of the year? So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Adam gets the chance or others. That's one of the most memorable I'm, cutscenes this year. Yeah, for I'm me. definitely interested in playing Triangle Strategy because I think, I think there might be time for me to play it in between like Pro 2 and uh, November stuff since, uh, I'm not playing Monochrome. Got uh, delayed. Yeah, there's time now. James, I can't believe you're skipping uh, Monochrome. He's no, not. it's coming out in November. Like they the got the late Chow. Uh, Chow's so distraught about this. Yeah, Monochrome movies got delayed uh, because of COVID, basically. So. What the fuck, Chow? Trying, okay. Whenever I think of this game, I think of like the the main theme that I think I think you get it only once you beat the game where it goes like triangle strategy coming out or whatever <laughs> <laughs> I don't know really good all right so we'll move on straight into the Sony state of play uh so Sony uh offerings usually at these digital events aren't quite as heavy on the RPG or RPG adjacent front as Nintendo's uh but what I'm going to do here is that in the Sony state of play we also got a, a lot of, I don't know how to introduce this. We had the Sony State of Play late on Tuesday. And then within like 12 hours, we did know that RGG Studios was also going to have a presentation for upcoming projects from, from their end for the Yakuza or Like a Dragon series. So across both uh, announcement showcases, we got a lot from RGG Studios. And I mean a lot, more than I think anyone expected. So I'm yeah, going to basically absolutely. bundle that stuff here at the front. Um, and we've got four major headlines here. Well, three major and one moderate uh, headline here. So we could talk about any of these things first. But the first one I'm going to talk about is that at the Sony State of Play, we got the announcement of a remaster for Like a Dragon Ishin, which is a remake of a game that came out early in the PS4 generation, only in Japan for Yakuza Ishin or Ryogaga Gotsu Kotoku Ishin. So... Uh, I believe, did you play this game uh, when it came out in Japan, Josh, or no? Yeah, I, play, I played uh, uh, Ishin uh, at its original PS4 release in Japan, which is kind of amusing because this is coming to PS4 also. <laughs> it's a remake slash remaster. So yeah, 
Like a Dragon Ishin is coming uh, on February 20, uh, 21st, 2023 for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. Simultaneous worldwide release uh, for this game. Uh, very exciting. The, the There's several things different with it from the original version. One, they're remaking this game from the ground up with Unreal Engine 4. Um, that's kind of the big major one. This, this this originally was not a Dragon Engine game. This came out before Yakuza Six, so mm-hmm. they obviously did have uh, Dragon Engine. I think Engine what's at that time. really interesting is that they were outright saying that they're switching to Unreal Engine Five. So it's like instead of continuing to support Dragon Engine, like they're making the jump to Unreal Engine, which is honestly probably uh, probably a good move. Dragon, yeah, Dragon Engine, Dragon, Dragon yeah. Engine looks nice, but it's never performed particularly well. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Yeah. Um, obviously, from from the get go, this is going to be a, a big recurring theme throughout this thing. They are moving away from the Yakuza brand mm-hmm. IP. They are switching over to like a dragon now in the West, which brings it the parody with obviously the 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 original series name Japan Yuga Gotoku, which translates to like a dragon, and obviously that's the name of the studio now. Um, so they're mm-hmm. trying to unify it. So this is the first indication of that. And it, I, 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 to me, like I, it's not a big deal. Like I, I think it makes mm-hmm. sense too because like I haven't played Yakuza Seven, but from playing Lost Judgment, I kind of understand what happened there. Where it's like after Yakuza Like a Dragon, it makes sense why Yakuza as a series title does not make sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, even Chapter Twelve of. Like a dragon, Yakuza like a dragon. It, it's called like the end of Yakuza. <laughs> That's a chapter name. And the uh, what, like one of the heads on the localization team uh, outright tweeted, "I don't know how we could have been any more clear than this." <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, who he recently left. It was like Scott Strickhart, I believe his name was. I, I'm sorry if I got, got the last name wrong, but um, uh, one of the other big changes coming with uh, the Ishin remake. Is they are replacing a lot of the some of the character models with like later characters that uh, came out of the series with like Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Six, and Yakuza Seven characters. So like in the historical spinoffs for the the Like a Dragon series or Ryuga Gotoku series, like with Kenzan, which is on PS3, and Ishin, um, the likenesses of the characters that appeared in that series are portrayed like through the historical figures. So like in this one. The playable character is Ryoma Sakamoto, and he looks like Kiryu. And then mm-hmm. uh, you're aided by Soji Okita, which looks like Majima, um, and so forth. But a lot, a lot of the characters uh, from this game was like were from like Yakuza One, Yakuza Two, Yakuza Three, uh, up until Yakuza Five, and they're being replaced. So like someone made a really, really great breakdown of this. Uh, Cyric Z at uh, Twitter uh, made a great character reference sheet for this. So like. Um, Kasahiro Ito from um, Ishin. He used to be portrayed uh, 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 as like this was Go Hamazaki originally from Yakuza 3, is now Daisuke Saku Kuze from Yakuza 0. You know, very, very recognizable like face from Yakuza 0. He's definitely like one of the big like bosses from Yakuza 0. Um, another one is Heisuke Todo. He used to be uh, Shigeki, Baba, Shigeki Baba from Yakuza 5. Now replaced as Tianyo Zhao from Yakuza Like a Dragon, mm-hmm. um, just stuff like that. But like it makes it like because there's a lot more recognizable faces uh, faces that came in Yakuza Zero, Six, and Seven that like global fans especially associate with. I think this is a good move that like some of the lesser known characters from Yakuza 
uh, three to five are like kind of replaced by like some of the more recognizable faces in the in this game. Like it, yeah, it looks really, like, like, it looks like on the original portrayal, they leaned heavily in the Yakuza five, and they had a few characters that were just actor portrayals and not character portrayals. So now that they, yeah. it looks it looks like Yakuza seven uh, actually gets a lot of uh, representation in the new portrayal of uh, Ishin. Yeah, I think one of the more amusing was uh, Susumu Yamazaki. Uh, he used to be Hiroshi Kagihara from Yakuza Five. Now, uh, now replaced by Jungi Han for Yaka, Yakuza Six. And you know, Jungi Han also, quote unquote, does appear in uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, so it's it's really cool. It's looking really really great. Like the like the the initial reveal trailer, the gameplay, um, the, the gameplay trailers and all that. It looks really nice. I'm very excited that this is finally getting um, localized worldwide. It is a, a really, really awesome game. It's a, it's a different game from any other Yakuza game you've uh, played because like the there are four fighting styles. It's like basically sword, gun, sword and gun, and fists. That's your four <laughs> fighting styles in the game. What about fists and gun? <laughs> uh, no, sorry. The sword is, and that's, fist. That's too high tech. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be an interesting... Uh, game also from the localization side because this is a really really tough script to localize there's a lot of very like uh, very time sensitive time era like phrases and like kind of like like japanese like like wording and phrasing from that time era that it's very difficult to like kind of how would you translate that for to other languages i'm very interested to see how they how they handle that as well because this had like that i think this game had a glossary that I even needed to like uh, like define those terms for people who don't, who weren't like obviously familiar with that era um, back then. So, well, if any cool. company would be up for up to the task, I trust the uh, Yakuza localization. Well, yeah, like a dragon are. localization team. Yeah, they're <laughs> fantastic. They're legends. So yeah, awesome. Um, February twenty first, uh, pretty much on every system except Switch. Um, they did. I guess it's. I did mention it. Uh, there was an interview um, with um, one of the heads at RGG Studio say, hey, why isn't the Yakuza games coming to Switch? And then they're like, uh, we don't want to be associated. Like, you know, we, we see like the 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 Switch as like a family-friendly, kid-friendly sort of device in Japan. And we don't want to like introduce like the, like, we feel like the Yakuza series is like kind of hardcore, like underground. It's like it, the, it doesn't fit the image of the Switch is basically the, the gist of the answer, which is... I guess I guess that's a response. <laughs> but it's, so, I mean, that was one of the amusing things coming out of the TGS, all the numerous TGS interviews coming. I mean, when you've got out. when you've got like Doom, Skyrim, and Witcher on Switch, well, you don't like, even yeah. need to you don't even need to go there. Bayonetta three is still technically an IP that's owned by Sega, and that's a Switch exclusive. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But so yeah, this so uh, this was our first of many announcements from RGG Studios. It showed up at um, the State of Play, and this was the first time they. We obviously saw that they decided not to call it Yakuza Ishin, but like a Dragon Ishin. People were like, ah, it's a spinoff. Maybe that's what they're using like a dragon for. Uh, we don't know if that's what they're pivoting to because it wasn't quite clear for like twelve hours or so. But we kind of knew or expected that we were going to see the next mainline series entry showcased at this RGG Summit. You know early the next day and we did they announced that like a dragon 8 is coming in 2024 for modern consoles not switch playstation 4 or 5 xbox series and pc and this is a game that obviously they're going with the like a dragon title going forward as shown and we got a teaser trailer for it showing two protagonists we got ichiban kasuga and kazuma kiryu 
again. And not only that, but Kiryu has kind of a different look to him now uh, on this trailer. <laughs> Man, so... <laughs> puberty hit uh, Yu Narukami hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kiryu is rocking like a K-pop star um, hairstyle. It's like it's like kind of more in the front, like stylized. It's like it's like silver, almost platinum hair. Um, well, he's pushing it, like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's like a disguise almost. It almost has to be like a disguise. It's it feels so out of place. It is so funny. I will not like every time I look at it, I laugh. I crack up. I'm like, hear you. <laughs> like, okay, this is the funniest thing. But they showcased this trailer at the RGG summit. Even even the MC was like, her first response was like, "What happened to cure you? What did you do to cure you?" <laughs> uh, the, it was. It's uh, it's wild. Um, it's still very far off to 2024. It's very bizarre. Like I, I think James and I have around the same wavelengths. Like, man, they're still gonna release a PlayStation 4, Xbox One game in 2024. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, keep in mind, will be like those, 10 years old at that point. That they'll be like if it's a late 2024 release, because generally that's when, like, uh, like a Dragon titles release generally is like the fall. They're going to be just around 11 years old for both the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. It's not as old as Kiryu. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously, we have the... We knew that we knew or expected that Ichiban would still be a protagonist going forward. Now that we know that, he, based on this trailer and some of the uh, accompanying marketing, that it'll be a dual protagonist between Ichiban and Kiryu. Uh, it will still be an RPG like Yakuza 7 or uh, like a dragon. Uh, it, the focus will be on cooperation interaction between the characters. I forget where this showed up, but I saw some people saying that in some of the marketing, Kiryu will have like his own party. So I don't know to what extent these two characters will interact within the game. Um, but like as expected, it will be a turn-based RPG going forward. And more on that later as we talk about some of the other things that our Digi Studios uh, introduced. But obviously a ways off, 2024. So only have a little bit of a teaser to go off of for now. Um, I think a lot of us were really endeared to Ichiban after playing through Like a Dragon. I saw someone say on some Twitter or forum post that like, after playing Like a Dragon, I wanted someone like Ichiban in my life. I'm like, yeah, I see that. We all need a friend like him. Uh, yeah, Ichiban's people... a fantastic protagonist. Fantastic mm -hmm. character. And I saw some people actually a bit disappointed that Kiryu could potentially like muscle in, like there is no handing off of the torch, at least not completely. Oh, there, uh, this is there's a weird one, right? Like I, I, I definitely uh, understand and, and to an extent agree to it with those people because they very much push Yakuza Six as like Kiryu's last game. This is gonna be the last time, like this, this is the end of the Kiryu saga for the game for, for uh, Yakuza, mm -hmm. and you know, and for, and for them to and like I, I even mentioned in my review for Yakuza Like a Dragon that it felt it felt like I couldn't really spoil that Kiryu was in the game, but it felt very um off-putting that like why is Kiryu in this game? He kinda like shows up out of nowhere. And it feels like there's a lot of story behind like why he shows up in Like a Dragon that's never explored until the next announcement after you want, Like a Dragon. Do you, do you want do you want to just take this one? Yeah, sure. So after they unveiled this, the, there's another brand new game coming for RGG Studio coming in 2023. Uh, it is called Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. Um, this is meant to be a story about what happened to Kiryu after the events of Yakuza 6 and uh, leading up to the events of Yakuza Like a Dragon. 
basically like you know uh after the end of yakuza 6 he kind of is he kind of uh, goes off the face of the map um something happens to him at the end of yakuza 6 that leads uh all the all his closest friends at Haruka and his like the orphanage that he um like you know looked after to believe that like he's gone he's dead so like he kind of like to kind of cut ties with them because he's he doesn't want the yakuza ties to like catch up with like the people that he loves he he like kind of erases himself from like their lives using this event that happened at the yakuza 6 so now at the at the debut trailer for the like a dragon guy dan he goes up under the name of a new name, Joryu, and he's uh, staying at Daidoji Temple, and it, this happens at uh, during 2018 in-game. So this is still before yeah, when Yakuza Like a Dragon happened. So this is meant to be... that they RGT Studio mentioned this is a game meant for like series, uh, like long-time series fans, uh, and like this, they will really like explain the events of like what happened to him after Yakuza 6 and like why he... like appeared out, seemingly out of nowhere in Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is what I wanted. Uh, so, like, this is the project that, like, really um, excites me the most because I have a lot, a lot of questions about it. I'm glad that they're doing this. They say that this is going to be similar to the Kaito Files DLC to, for Lost Judgment, but it's going to be longer than that and bigger in scope than that. But it's still going to be roughly, like, half the size of a regular, like, Like a Dragon Yakuza game. So it's not... I, I imagine, like, it won't be, like, crazy filled with, like, side quests or side stories like Kaito files, but it'll still, you know, have a good chunk of like, uh-huh. go for it. I saw some people wondering, like, does that mean digital only? They haven't really detailed it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like the RG studio even mentioned, like we recommend people to play this title before like a dragon eight, because um, I, I, I assuming whatever happens in this, like we'll like establish the foundation of like maybe the premise of like a dragon eight of like uh, what, what factions might be involved. Uh, in it, uh, and also like they they want newcomers to play this as well. Who like who started with like a dragon, just like you know, like this will also establish understanding of like why Kiryu is important in the series and like getting them familiar with him. Who did who may have jumped in with like a dragon, Yakuza like a dragon, but not have played any of like the previous Yakuza games when Kiryu was the protagonist. Also, so this I'm will a, be a yeah. title that uses the old. I say old. That sounds like where to put it. The the traditional brawler style combat. Yes. So not the turn based. So for your for your offerings for for. RGD Studios games coming out in the next couple of years. You've got Ishin kind of being its own thing. You've got the man who erased his name being more of the traditional combat. And then you've got uh, I keep saying Yakuza 8, like a Dragon 8, being the turn-based RPG. So yeah. I don't know how I don't know how they're gonna carry that forward going uh, just carry that going forward if they're gonna always have to offer like comparable things for both. Because some people really like the brawler style and have don't have any affinity to the turn-based. Some people really gelled with the turn-based, uh, or some people are just ambivalent to both. Uh, so, and we, there was obviously, and maybe a little bit more on this later, wondering if Judgment would be the side spe- side off, side spinoff series that would be the brawler style going forward. Uh, and maybe that's still the case in some ways, but we don't know like what their plans are past, uh, you know, Yakuza Eight or like a Dragon Eight. So it'll be interesting to see what their what their you know long term like really long term plans are going forward. Even yeah, though they, brought, have... they brought the heat though. The, this mm-hmm. in this RGG Summit, they just they went all out though. That's it's just crazy. They just had title, new title, new title, new title. Bam, bam, bam. And then on top of that, the last little uh, news headline here was that the Judgment series, so Judgment released back in 2018, Lost Judgment released uh, last year. Uh, 
We had talked in a few different contexts on the podcast that those titles never made their way to the PC platforms, despite all the other Yakuza games releasing on PC over the last half decade. Uh, potentially, we never knew for certain, but potentially due to talent agency, uh, you know, issues with the platform, with specifically uh, Himura, is that the name? The the Aura, likeness, yeah. the likeness for Yagami. But they shadow dropped both Judgment games on PC on the Steam client last week so they are both available to play and ready and ready now which we're was... probably never going to get like an official confirmation of what finally let this to happen but it has been kind of funny seeing people just assume that since like the titular johnny died now we were able to get the <laughs> judgment on pc yeah because they're the, they, they, the, the my understanding is like so seemingly like the executive who's like uh pushing back the most against it because of like anti-piracy stuff um you know passed away uh recently and then like people are like oh maybe that's the reason why but who knows we don't know we don't know yeah about uh but yeah you did get hands-on on this uh brian we we kind of mm-hmm. knew about this in secret so um yeah i don't want to i don't want to spend too long on this because we still have a ton to talk about this week jesus at the two-hour mark but first of all uh just on a general sense the fact that both these judgment games can now show up on pc i think is promising for the future of the subseries going forward. It's not confirmation of anything, but I think it's just there is more optimism now that the series isn't going to die with Lost Judgment. But again, we don't know. Um, I will say that I came on board with the Yakuza series in 2018 when Yakuza 0 was surprise announced for PC. And ever since then, it's been kind of like a deluge of Yakuza games. It ended up being like about two games a year releasing on PC to try to keep up. And now I have played... Yakuza Zero through Like a Dragon, all on PC, and I want I was I wanted to make time for the Judgment games eventually, but it meant like pulling out my PlayStation Four and you know, or I guess the remaster on PS Five, um, and eventually wanting to get to it because they weren't going to release on PC. But this kind of just lowered the bar and just said, "Hey, it's on Steam now. Go get it." Um, so I finished Judgment, and I'm like ten hours into Lost Judgment, and there's a lot to talk about here, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but. The thing that endeared me most to Judgment, Judgment is a spinoff series that stars uh, Takayuki Yagami, who is a ex-lawyer slash detective based in Kamarocho. So it has a lot of familiar trappings to anyone that's played a Yakuza game. The, the The general gameplay overview is very similar. The brawling style combat is, you know, it's not the same, but it's it's evocative of the of this classic Yakuza combat. The main way that this feels dig- different is based on Yagami's perspective, is that Kiryu, by the end of like, Kawami 1, at least by the end of Kawami 2, he's already like a larger than life, almost like legend character. And then he's still a protagonist through like four more games. So everyone knows who Kiryu is. Everyone, you know, is super respective of him or they know who, you know, what he's done in the past. Ryagami is not that. He's not a nobody, but he's more of just like a regular guy. And be based on his um, occupation as a detective, he has a stake in like the ongoing events of both judgment and lost judgment, especially like a personal stake with the cases that he's going through. But it's like of a different flavor than Kiryu where Kiryu usually has a familiar tie or something to do with Haruka or his allegiance to the Tojo clan where Yagami is a little bit further removed. So just the style of storytelling is a bit different. It's a bit less boisterous. It's a bit slower, but not in a bad way. Um, I remember this is, this is not a spoiler near the end of, judgment there is a set piece that involves a collapsing sky bridge between buildings and that's kind of like the high point of the action of that story but it's still like super dramatic which i think is 
a sign of good storytelling when a story can crescendo to make something like that seem like, oh shit, you know, stuff is going down. Where oftentimes in the Yakuza series, especially like by the time you get to Yakuza 6, the stuff that they have to pull to kind of keep one upping themselves yeah. ends up feeling like less and less kind of based in reality. There's a lot more contrivance. Uh, even in Yakuza 7, like there's stuff with. I don't want to say any specific story beats, but in a lot of Yakuza games, there's usually some sort of contrivance, whether it's like Mirror Man in Yakuza 7 or specific types of bullets in Yakuza 4 and things like that. Uh, diff- uh, different coin lockers in Yakuza 7 as well. Um, oh, yeah. uh, and an unnamed brother in Yakuza 3 uh, makes mm-hmm. a lot of the drama there. Where Judgment doesn't rely on stuff like that nearly as much. It's still loud and wacky but it's a little bit more straight laced which i think is actually kind of it gives it its own flavor its own identity and the one thing that i wasn't expecting from judgment is yakuza in the yakuza games and like a dragon games kiryu does ally with other people there's the detective date the slash police investigator um obviously he teams up with majima in short bursts and things like that but usually it's a solo story um with uh and there's akiyama in the later games and things like that but what I was surprised in Judgment is that by like the later half of Yagami's initial debut game, he's already got like almost like a RPG party of cohorts of like there's obviously Kaito, who's like the second the deuterologist or I don't know, the second protagonist in the game. Obviously, he gets his own DLC in Lost Judgment. There's uh Hoshino, who is like the rookie lawyer. There's Suguya who is like an ex-thief. And by the end of by the end of uh, Judgment, like Yagami is bouncing off ideas and interacting with all of these characters with different perspectives. And it kind of endeared me to the the narrative in a way that almost like a dragon did. But like a dragon had the kind of like the baked in fact that you have an RPG an RPG party of seven characters. Well I guess six because you can't really count Eerie because she kind of is hidden from the story. Yeah. Uh, but Judgment isn't an RPG, not not explicitly. It's just a solo game where you only play as Yagami, but he bounces off so many other different people who have a stake in the story, uh, you know, and you know, have different interactions in the narrative. The thief character, Suguya, um, I hope I'm getting that name right. <laughs> Throughout the game, he keeps asking Yagami about what happened with a case four years ago, about what his thoughts are on it, how it affected him. And it's not 100% clear why he's fixated on this. And then it, until it's revealed later in the game, exactly like what the what the narrative behind that was. So basically, if you've played Yakuza games on PC or as they've been re-released um, in, in whatever fashion, and you're not sure, like, ah, Judgment has, I like Kiryu a lot. I don't know if Yagami is that endearing or things like that. I don't know. I was just really surprised by how I appreciated the different narrative tact of these two judgment games. I haven't finished lost judgment yet, but it has a lot of the same, the same vibe. A lot of the major players in judgment carry straight over into lost judgment. Uh, Sukomo, like the, the hacker kind of bro mm-hmm. kind of plays a more major role earlier in lost <laughs> yeah. judgment. Uh, I will say that lost judgment takes place. It has a lot of focus on the school setting and like, there's a whole subsection of side stories based on like school clubs like the dance club and uh the photography club and things like that which i felt like maybe are a little bit silly that wasn't what i was expecting out of a out of an rgg studios game but it still works just fine in a way um yeah i, so, I, th- I think yeah it definitely like i've i've seen a lot of people when lost children came out originally say like they just said i i have to keep on going with the main narrative and I'm, I'll, I'll do the side stuff like another playthrough because like uh, the the they either they might have thought, felt like the side stuff took away from it or like the the main story was just like is like too gripping on them to like stop at that point like it just mm-hmm. it never lets go once it start starts sinking its teeth in. Um, 
Uh, how are the PC ports shaping up uh, for, the, for uh, these games? So yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be Digital Foundry, uh, but the these these two games are on the Dragon Engine, and that's also you know Kiwami Two and Yakuza Six and Seven are all on that engine. So it's kind of like a known a known thing. Uh, I will say that even on a pretty powerful PC, when I play this game at 4K, the city streets are kind of dense enough that I wasn't able to get like a consistent frame rate that I wanted. Uh, one thing that is new to these releases is that they do support AMD's uh, FSR, like reconstruction technology, their equivalent to DLSS. Um, I guess some people were hoping for FSR 2.1. It only has 2.0. I don't know enough about those technologies to specifically outline the difference. Uh, but I will say that I, tr I, I enabled FSR 2.0. I set it to like quality mode with like the base level sharpness and was able to basically boost my frame rate to a place that I enjoyed what I saw. And I tried to take a few comparison shots and I, I thought the dip in quality was worth getting a pretty large boost in frame rate once I enabled FSR. So that's something that the other uh, Dragon Engine games didn't have. Uh, I think for those games, what I relied on was the resolution scale. I dumped, I think I dipped it down to like 90% or something in order to boost my frame rate. Because James talked about how the Dragon Engine kind of is pretty taxing on, any, on even pretty powerful PCs. Uh, but FSR, I thought was a nice addition. There, there are a few little graphical artifacts, uh, like with lighting and with distant like edges, but not enough to really distract. Uh, so they're... they're they're good ports. Um, it's kind of on par with the with the other uh, it, games in the series. It's worth noting, and uh, kind of, uh, I guess, something we might be able to talk about later. But uh, Sega is all in with Steam Deck because day one, both of these ports were Steam Deck verified. Um, uh, so that's neat. So, so yeah, like that. That's nice. And FSR would probably be a really nice thing to have there to get the higher frame rate on the uh, limited hardware. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I enjoyed Judgment more than I expected to. I think I've enjoyed it more than where I'm at at Lost Judgment so far. But, you know, with these narratives, usually they get a lot more gripping as you get past the halfway mark. So I don't want to put a verdict on Lost Judgment quite yet because I'm only about halfway through. But Judgment is really good, even if you're kind of burnt out on Yakuza games because you've been playing them so rapidly as they've been re-released. I thought Judgment was kind of a breath of fresh air. And it was uh, something that you shouldn't skip just because you're not sure about it being a different protagonist or feeling too samey or too different. But yeah, RGG Studios, I was not expecting to have four pretty major headlines from them for this week. Uh, we knew that the summit was coming, but I think Ashin took everyone by surprise. The side off, the side story from about Kiryu taking, taking place between six and seven was completely unexpected. And then even like a Dragon 8, even though we kind of expected it, we didn't know what we would see. We did not know that we would see you Narakami cosplay uh, <laughs> Kiryu. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It softens the blow, like 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 I said, like it, it's hard to like for me to like get super excited for like a Dragon Eight yet because it's still super far off. But having a Shin and like and like a Dragon Gaiden like fill in the blanks for next year, like it helps soften the blow. Like it's like I don't have to, like I, I won't hear like I, I like I'll still be engaging with the RGG series on the way mm -hmm. there. All right, so that covers for all the RGG studio news, even though we're not going to be waiting that long for uh, Ishin because it's February of next year. There were only a couple other things from the Sony State of Play that were really in our purview. One of these is one that we teased early on in this podcast, you know, over two hours ago, is that we got a new title being published by Sony and developed by Team Ninja. This one is called Rise of the Ronin which is, takes place in 19th century Japan. So again, this is kind of what we were teasing. We were talking about how Ghost of Tsushima now seems to has kind of given some assurance to developers that they can set games. Uh, this is an action RPG. 
in this kind of time period, in this setting, and release them for a global audience. So for Rise of the Ronin, we got a pretty beefy announcement trailer for it. This is a bit off. It is to be announced for 2024. Um, the director of the game, Fumihiko Yasuda, is also working on Wolong Fallen Dynasty. So he's got you know two action RPGs uh you know, in the works that this both man, look really stop making fire, dude. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I keep saying this, but like Koei Tecmo and their developers really are just like popping off, like almost quietly. Cause like, obviously everyone's talking about how many games like Square Enix is releasing at the end of this year, next year, which makes sense. But like, and we hear about how Capcom is back in it and all that. But like Koei Tecmo, you look at what they've actually released in the last like several years. And it's like, man, they don't get enough credit. <laughs> uh, so yeah. at the end of this trailer, we did learn that uh, Rise of the Ronin is a PS5 console exclusive, which suggests a PC release at some place. But nothing is confirmed there on the front at all. But we've seen that language used before in Sony uh, in Sony announcements. Plus, Sony themselves have been releasing PC ports lately, so it's like it's yeah. it's, it's it's not announced. So obviously, a grain of salt, but it, it's only a matter of time. It's only yeah, and like I, I was on the Steam front page just earlier this uh, this this last week, and it's like Sony publisher sale sale on Steam. I'm like, oh, that's that's different, but I guess it's the yeah. world we live in now. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's neat, uh, I, but I think it's like. I'm very like impressed with like the footage they've shown for Rise of the Ronin as a 2024 title. This is this looks pretty polished. Like this looks like some of the scenes look like in engine already and like to be in some playable prototype state and looks, you know, pretty damn good already uh from the get-go. Uh I'm curious to see like, you know, what sorts of systems they have. This looks to be a, like a lot more open than like what you'd see at like Neo or uh, Wolong. Um so like it might be a more open world take on it. Yeah, it, it definitely it looks looks really it looks really interesting. Yeah, it definitely looks like more of an open world. Uh, a buddy of mine described it as saying like uh Ubisoft announced a uh, Japanese uh Assassin's Creed and then it felt like Koei Tecmo immediately came by and did a Mortal Kombat fatality on them. <laughs> so that's uh, not wrong. Not wrong. Yeah, so the, there's a couple of things of the gameplay here that I think I just want to call out like there's uh the part that makes it look more open world is that the main character like gets like a glider that looks like wings of a hawk yes. and he's like soaring over a coastline he like stabs someone with the end of a bayonet he lights his you know <laughs> his saber on fire uh so there's lots of cool little gameplay mechanics shown and then of course there's a mix of cinematics as well i'm kind of giving an inkling inkling for what the storyline premise might be uh it does say it was all captured on ps5 so maybe it's pretty fur along in development but they've got some high ambitions so not trying to pigeonhole themselves into a next year release so we'll see this in 2024 uh yeah, oh and there's also some footage of him like on horseback that was almost like evocative of like Elden Ring. So yeah, Rise of the Ronin from Koei Tecmo and Team Ninja being published by Sony uh, for PS5. And the last thing that we have listed here from the state of play is a game that we previously talked about from a PlayStation showcase at least a year back when it was known as Project Eve. This is a Korean developed game that seems to take a lot of inspiration from Nier Automata. And now we have a new title for this game. It is known as Stellar Blade. It'll be releasing for PS5. I believe they also say PS5 console exclusive here as well. Um, and we got a story trailer for the game uh, at the most recent state of play last week. So yeah. most of this did just yesterday get some potentially worrying like information about the development. But I don't, I don't know. Well, what'd you hear? 
um, there is uh, someone stepping up to say that multiple women were fired from the project for uh, being openly feminist. That's oh, oh that's weird. Oh, that's not good. Well, hopefully, we'll, we'll, you know, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll follow yeah, up we'll on that, that if it if it gets yeah, more yeah. significant in terms of like uh you know outcry from that if it ends up being something that the studio addresses in a direct manner or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they look into that, investigate that thoroughly, and see like the you know whether the claims are true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I'm uh, if they're making if they're making that like I'm, I'm offered to like I'm inclined to believe that like you know mm-hmm. I mean they wouldn't say it's... they wouldn't say it out of nowhere. So yeah, it, it definitely it's... definitely you know it's like demographically like right now in South Korea, it's like one of those things where a lot of men are like anti-feminists. So mm-hmm. right, it would make. Unfortunately, it would make sense. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how that develops. We'll definitely update people uh, on that if uh, that continues on. Um, what we know so far from this game, uh, as you said, uh, Brian, uh, the developer shift up is uh, on it. We've seen it in prior uh, indie showcases, including uh, prior state of plays. Um, I know that there are some uh, composers from Monaca working on this game, so like. The, it's sounding like Nier Automata isn't totally unfounded because some of uh, Okabe's uh, studio is working on the sound design for this game. Um, you know, it looks slick, you know, uh, as an action RPG and very much... Well, like I, by the way, the, the Nier Automata comparisons are all fan-attributed. I don't think the developers come out and said that, but back when we had the Project Eve trailer earlier in the... Uh, or sorry, last year, people said, like, oh, this looks like the abandoned city in Nier Automata, and then there's, yeah, like, yeah. instead of the instead of the pod... Uh, there's I forget what the name of the uh, little ally bot is in this game, but it has one of those as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully you know. We'll, we'll see and it does say it does say is a uh, PS3. Uh, sorry, PS5 console exclusive. So similar, uh, similar uh, standing as Rise of the Ronin. So, but this one is uh, to be announced release date for next year. There are quite a few people looking forward to this as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so obviously Square Enix had a fairly big presence at uh, the Nintendo Direct specifically, but we also, throughout as we transitioned out of the Nintendo Direct and the State of Play and more into the back half of the week into TGS, we got a bit more uh, Square Enix news from all fronts, and we kind of talked about this when we were previewing TGS a couple weeks ago on this podcast. Uh, here's one that I don't know if you're expecting. I forget if this showed up on uh, any of their like planned release schedules, but we did learn about a game that was announced a while back, and that is... Infinity Strash Dragon Quest The Adventure of Die. This is a game that I remember being excited for back in like early 2020 when it was first announced and then it kind of went quiet for a long while. But now we've learned that The Adventure of Die will be releasing on PlayStation consoles, Switch, and PC with a simultaneously global launch, which was something that we weren't sure of. Let's we thought go! It might stay. We, thought, we thought it might stay in Japan. Uh, and then alongside, we got it. <laughs> alongside, we got a new, uh, a new trailer for it. Um, from Square Enix, a two-minute story trailer. Uh, they call it an announcement trailer, even though this game was announced, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, it shows it shows some of the gameplay where you can control characters like Die, Pop, Mom. Um, and I remember saying like uh, on Twitter, like maybe I should watch the anime because I know that uh, Shueisha, I believe, was ha- Shueisha has been like featuring this this anime for like the last year and a half, and now now. Uh, Josh was like, oh, okay, that's got about 100 episodes if you're going to commit to that. I'm like, oh, uh, 
Yeah, Maybe I not. mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's still airing, and like the, people say, it's probably going to end at like the hundredth episode. I'm like, I'm like, I I stopped watching around episode seventy ish. I need to continue watching it, but I really, really liked what uh, what I've saw, seen of it, so I'm very excited for this game. I ask you, Josh, did you research the anime for this game, or did you just watch it out of the blue? I watched it out of the blue. I, I watched it before the, the this thing was like announced. I was like, uh, like it's one of those like. It's one of those IPs that like, I knew from the manga, but I never really got into it. I didn't want to like watch the like the old anime adaptation because I heard like it like kind of ends abruptly and like has weird like deviations from like the manga story. While this new anime adaptation is more faithful to it, um, so I, I just kind of like I was like okay, it's like sure, and then like I didn't know it's going to be like super long, but like I really enjoy it because it's it's very much like every JRPG classic JRPG trope you can think of. In an anime, it's like you're. It's like it's like playing through a JRPG, but watching it. <laughs> pretty much, it's awesome. Um, so I, I looked at the. Uh, I went back to the original uh, announcement for this, and it's like Square Enix has announced uh, Infinity Strash Dragon Quest Adventure die for unspecified consoles in 2021. Yeah. So uh, we do know the consoles now, and along with PC, we still don't have a release window, but I they wonder... just they just specified that it's going to be a simultaneously simultaneous global launch. They might really they might show off a release date later tonight after this podcast recording because they do have a, a program for this game and all the other die games uh, at eight forty five p.m. Pacific later tonight. So we might get so a that, release date there because um, they like to leave the staggered release info shit uh, <laughs> throughout this mm. whole week. So, yeah, well, yeah, one yeah. thing that's been difficult just even putting this podcast together is trying to collate all the different. Each each of these games gets a you know two or three different showings based on where they yeah. initially show up and then getting followed up on a special presentation at TGS. Trying to make sure that's all bundled together. So by the time you listen to this, we might have a release window for Infinity Strash, but as of right now, we don't. Yeah, right. So yeah, but uh, like the the gameplay that we've seen, like in the new trailer, it looks like way 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 more refined than we've seen previously. It mm-hmm. still, uh, I still cannot shake the feeling that like the Trials of Mana remake, uh, or not Mana, was it? The, yeah, Trials of Mana remake team is like on this because it looks like that, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not 100 sure. Uh, well, I remember when it. when this was first shown, people were like, "Oh, the combat looks like a mobile game," but currently, right now, not announced for mobile. It's consoles and PC. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is uh, this is cool. Uh, I'm I'm digging it. I really wonder like what the scope of the game is because there are some events like in that trailer, like very very briefly showed that don't happen until much later in the series so i i i'm interested in the the scope of this game how far they get into that story if they try to do the whole story because if they try to do the whole story that's that's gonna be one big ass game mm-hmm. so another upcoming release that is not too far away is the upcoming valkyrie elysium and this game we've had a few different opportunities to talk about on the podcast uh previously it is coming out in late september so not in too long but we did learn that they released a demo for it for consoles anyway uh in this last week and i'm just going to hand it off over to josh who was able to go early access with this demo just to provide some feedback about how he uh what he thought about what was offered for valkyrie elysium and if he's excited for the uh the release in a couple weeks so obviously square enix just took the opportunity to market this game as you know an upcoming release for them just in the next couple weeks so josh uh you were able to go on on board with the demo before it was announced and just what, what were your thoughts on it yeah um it's I, I was surprised actually i came out pretty positive on it by the end because you know me when, I, when this was like 
initially announced i was pretty vocal about like i don't really know how i feel about this game like the the first reveal trailer for this game wasn't really doing it for me it looked yeah, really we poo pooed on it quite a bit here on the yeah, podcast I, I i didn't know what to expect from the combat i was like this looks like dragon guard 3 i don't know <laughs> so um and then i came away from it i was like i, I got i played on ps5 you know, it's your, it has your standard, like, you know, it's an action RPG, you're a light and heavy attacks, you can do, like, uh, combo strings into it. What really elevated the combat for me was, like, you have this soul chain grappling hook where you can, like, use it to, like, navigate through environments uh, at, like, certain spots to, like, hook into, like, other pl- uh, platforms. And you can also use it, around, like, in battles to, like, probably push yourself fast, like, toward uh, enemies. So, like, it makes navigating around them uh, faster. Then you combine that with, like, Summoning Ein Harriar, which like uh, you know, and, and the Valkyrie Profile series, they're like the spirits of like undead, uh, the spirits of dead heroes, like uh, join the Valkyrie uh, in her in her fights uh, as she recruits them. So like the in this in Elysium, you summon Ein Harriar. They're kind of like your party members that are only there for a limited amount of time, but you don't have to babysit them. Like with like you don't have like health bars or anything, so you don't have to really pay attention to them that much. And then they all have an associated element. So like when you summon an and here you are with like a certain element, your attacks become that element. So there's this whole like elemental weakness system that you can uh, take uh, advantage of against enemies to like uh, temporarily stun them. Um, and also you have like your divine arts magic spells uh, that'll get enhanced when I and here you are are on the field, and I and here you are can be used for like certain environmental puzzles along the way. So the the demo is pretty limited to like the tutorial. The first chapter of the game and like the two side quests you get from the f- first chapter and uh, and then you get you get a little bit of a glimpse of like you know how the equipment system works in the game how the skill trees work in the game and overall like i it, it was fine like honestly like i i didn't i wasn't really going in with high expectations but i think they did a decent job like translating the the valkyrie formula it's not good it's not the valkyrie profile battle system people shouldn't be expecting the valkyrie profile battle system out of this game off the off the gate like it's it's its own thing it's not related to the valkyrie profile series aside from like sharing terms uh from that series but as like translating that formula into an action rpg format it's uh pretty it's pretty good it's pretty awesome uh and like the the first like chapter's boss like reminded me like of a boss battle out of east and I was like, that's a weird thing to say about this game. But they they it's it feels rewarding and it also helps that like the the PS5 dual sense has makes use of its like haptic triggers and like uh and it's like uh uh it's rumble to kinda make you feel good as you're uh, doing actions in this game too. So for anyone who's like curious about this game, uh the the demo's now up on uh, now up on PS5 and PS4. Um give it a shot. Like it it sounds I mean yeah, for me, like I'm like I'm just so glad that like my initial worries about the game, like so far, have been like kind of like okay, like I, I feel bet- way better about this game than like what the initial trailer led led me to believe. Um, so yeah, that's the I, fact I that we so went from our initial that. impressions to hey, this feels kind of like Yeast is a pretty big step up. Now I know Yeast games <laughs> aren't always perfect, but the fact that we can even make the comparison now is like yeah, this is uh looking kind of promising compared to our initial impressions. Yeah, and uh, for the TGS presentation for Valkyrie Elysium, they did share a little bit of new info coming to the game, like a future update coming in early November uh, for the game. They're going to uh, add like a Hild, Hildes, or Hild's Vengeance uh, mode, which allows you to play as the Dark Valkyrie that's been shown in the uh, trailers. So that's going to be like its own separate And we mode. know her name now. Yep. We still, we still don't know the normal, the regular Valkyrie's name. Yep. <laughs> 
Um, and, and then they also revealed that Yui Shikata uh, is going to be her Japanese voice, and a lot of people will know her as 2B from your Automata. Um, they also gonna, are going to add the Seraphic Gate, uh, which are like uh, time challenges to Valkyrie uh, Elysium. They're historically like an optional super dungeon uh, in the series. So, uh, and then they also uh, have more difficulty modes, uh, harder difficulty modes coming to Valkyrie Elysium. And all of this, all these uh, updates coming to PS5 and PS4 will launch with the PC release coming on November 11th. So it's one of those few uh, games that's releasing on consoles first, and then the PC release is like kind of like way later. <laughs> yeah, like I actually had to be reminded of this. I think we might have talked about it on the podcast, but it slipped my mind. Yeah, so it's releasing on September 29th for PlayStation consoles, but then PC back uh, back in November, but with the uh, added content. Another upcoming game that's another December release that we've talked about in a few different contexts on this uh, podcast is Dragon Quest Treasures. So we've talked about a few uh, different little newsletters that they put out, like for how the treasure gathering works and how the um, the monster recruitment works and things like that. Obviously, Square Enix took the opportunity to market the game back at TGS, so we got a, a new TGS trailer for it. Uh, but more more interestingly, this was another game that James was able to go hands-on with with his uh, Square Enix event uh, in the last week. So, James, we'll just hand it off to you again. Like, Instead of just talking about, we've had a few opportunities to talk about Dragon Quest Treasures like, in the marketing sense, just even with your hands-on time with the game, uh, how did you feel about it? feels very good. Unfortunately, it was one of those demos where it's the opening hours, so... By the time it really started getting going, the demo was over. I always mm-hmm. kind of hate when demos were like that, which I can understand why, because especially for RPGs, you kind of it, it's it's hard to showcase those. It's hard to showcase yeah, hard to those. do vertical slices on long running games. Uh, what I will say is, is that it's a Dragon Quest spinoff. It's very charming. Um, it seems to run well on Switch. I played it docked, and uh, despite the motion the motion smoothing on the uh, TVs, it's it's definitely uh, running at 60 FPS, and um, nice. There's um, a lot to say about it. Uh, I do like how you get like a little slingshot. That the game calls it a catapult. It's a slingshot. And <laughs> you get like that's like half of the combat from like uh, Eric and Mia's uh, perspective. Is that you get access to the slingshot, and then you get different sorts of pebbles and pellets that you can use, like a regular just stone that's just like standard get some that are elemental based like uh, i got one that was like a fizzle pellet which was stronger and then you can even get like heal pellets which you can because the way it works is you can aim manually but you can also use like the l and r buttons while you're holding down vr to like toggle between your enemies and allies and you can you like shoot the heal pellets at your monster uh, companions to heal that's them. cute i like it's, that it's like it's it's not super in-depth combat like you can kind of like order them to charge and you can go like dive right in with your uh like dagger and do a little hit string but it's like it's 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 engaging enough combat and it's uh definitely uh definitely not bad um everything else surrounding the uh, game is very promising i like how like part of the gameplay loop is uh find these monsters uh getting little hints of where the treasure might be by like a vision and then it's like kind of like the whole like loop is okay where is that location and how do i get to it and then you like get the treasure and it's it's again it was just the very beginning so obviously or at least i'm hoping that later on there's more in depth for how you find treasure like exploration all that sort of thing but it's promising and i'm very excited to see uh, what the rest of the game is like 
Yeah. Uh, one I'll, thing, I'll... I am not sure if it's been in the marketing, but there does appear to be a hub that you can return to, which is very cool. Uh, that is not embargoed, but it's like one of those things where it's like right as it was ending, it's like, hey, here's here's a, an area that that's very clearly going to be the hub that you can return to. Uh, I think I think they've teased know. it like in the marketing, like they say, hey, you can like bring your hall back from the other islands to like a like a certain central place. But I don't think they've actually, actually ever so, shown like the, yeah, the, yeah. the central place. I will so. say that I do like the uh, main conceit of like, OK, why is this uh, a game about treasure hunting? Why is there treasure everywhere? It's because uh, Eric and Mia literally got like sucked into a portal and they f they found themselves in the world of Draconia, which is literally just the calcified skeletons of like two giant golden dragons. And that's why there's a bunch of treasure there, because you're literally standing on top of where they stashed all of their treasures. Because they found themselves in Xenoblade 1. I get but, it. Yeah, um, I feel like if out of all of the games I demoed here, well, demoed at the Square Next thing. I think Dragon Quest Treasures is the one that I'm like most eager to get my hands back on. It's like Dragon Quest spinoffs are always at least good, and I'm I'm excited to see what the full game's like. And we'll just kind of keep it on this front. Uh, another this is a, another upcoming game that's actually releasing much sooner than Dragon Quest Treasures is Star Ocean: The Divine Force. Unlike Dragon Quest Treasures, over the last couple of weeks we've been able to watch different new trailers for this game, which is releasing in late October as they revealed the different gameplay systems and the new characters. Now, I kind of thought, maybe this was a bad assumption on my part, but uh, I kind of thought that this um, that we had all the playable characters announced in this game because we had the initial six plus the Malkia. However, with the new TGS trailer, they announced at least two more characters, and one of them is a blue-haired woman named Marielle L. Kenny, which is a last name that people, fans of the series, should recognize. I guess she is an officer on the ship that shoots down Raymond's ship near the beginning of the game. And we get a basic introduction to her and show a little bit of her gameplay in combat. And then also there is a new party member shown in the battle footage that isn't explicitly detailed that just has the name JJ, who looks kind of like an armored, like cybernetic character. There's also, uh, we got the box art, at least like the, the another major key art for the game that shows a red haired character that we don't know many details of. But basically, there are at least two, potentially three new playable characters shown in this footage. And this trailer is like five minutes long. So it's kind of uh, actually six minutes long. So it kind of goes into quite a lot of uh, combat examples, uh, some introduction to the new characters. It's quite a lot here. And then also, uh, I don't have a lot of attachment to this, but I think uh, Josh and Chow might have. They debuted the title's theme song, Pandora, being performed by Hyde in, in this Let's trailer. <laughs> so I don't know like what they are known for, but I guess that was a big enough announcement to kind of pair with this uh, this trailer to market the game before its October release. Uh, Hyde is just a, a, a very famous like uh, musician in Japan, uh, also known for his work as leading the band The Ark and Seal. Which uh, you know, a lot of people are, are very fond of. And, you so know, Eddie, and, and, Eddie Go opening, guys. Anyone remember that? Yeah. So, no, Wait, which opening? Uh, the the, the Full Alchemist, the original one. The original uh, one. So, uh, the, fir the, the, the first opening. opening. The first opening of the first anime. I think it's the so, second opening. I think one. it's the second opening. Is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Ah, okay. It, it, it's the it's the opening that was used in the English like, but they in the English broadcast they use the second ah. opening for like all of it. So. But most English people will recognize that that is the opening to that the old uh, mm -hmm. Fullmetal Alchemist anime. Anyway, yeah, like you know, the, they showed they basically showed off um, 
the the the, la- the other playable characters in the game. The big news for people, uh, and you know, bless Fair Enix for doing this. There's going to be a demo for Star Ocean: The Divine Force coming on September 20th for the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series, and Xbox One releases. There's going to be no demo for the PC version, unfortunately. Only Landcars with uh, the Dio Field Chronicle was brave enough to do it. Um, but uh, that, that's you know just a few days. I'm really excited to get uh, hands-on with the game and you know see how I feel about it. But we do have a person here who did get hands-on with Star Wars of the Divine Force, James. Yep. So that was yet another game I got to play at that Square Enix press event. Uh, I spent about an hour playing it, uh, so a decent chunk of time, and I got to have a feel for the uh, gameplay. Uh, I will say one thing that uh, maybe did not work in this game's favor is that we were playing it through an OBS capture window, okay. which means that one of the mechanics in the game is uh, you have the Duma, which lets you float and kind of like shoot yourself at enemies that you're locked onto. And there's a mechanic where if you flick the analog stick to the side right before you like hit the enemy, you can uh, dodge out of the way and it'll be like, they'll be like kind of surprised and stunned and you, it'll be something called a blind side and it'll increase the amount of damage that they'll take for a period of time. And it was very hard for me to execute it uh, because of the input delay sure, in the window. Yeah, because of the input yeah. delay. So I'm I'm assuming that's part of it. Uh, I'll see how the demo itself holds up if it's a bit better on my home system without the input delay. But that was definitely one of the issues I had with uh, input lag and whatnot. And mm-hmm. um, well, what what version of the game were, were they demoing? PlayStation there? Five. Um, okay. I'll just say this right now: the Square Next event, the only platforms they had available for us to test for any of the games was playstation 5 and nintendo switch okay. they did not have pc they did not have xbox it was just playstation 5 and switch Will we tried to the, the the new demo or the public demo on the xbox series i'm gonna try it on the xbox yeah okay just to see. I'll, I'll probably boot it up on playstation as well I, I i don't think actually it's going to be the same build that i played at square next because it seemed to be the full game but uh, yeah, they mentioned that the demo will be the start of Raymond's story, and it'll be roughly two hours long. Okay, then it might actually it'll it'll have the same content that I played. It, it sounds like, hmm. but uh, yeah, um, I'm very interested to see like uh, for people who are playing this on last generation consoles, how this will run on PS4 and especially Xbox One. Um, I do not anticipate it to run well because even though again it was through an OBS capture window. I will say this. I played through Crisis Core on PS5 through the same setup and the frame pacing and and the frame rate was rock solid there. Like no frame pacing issues whatsoever. Uh, Star Ocean definitely had some technical issues. Like it had some frame drops. It had a lot of stuttering in some areas. So it's like, again, it's an in-development build. Well, I don't know how old that build is. Yeah, even even with this upcoming demo, we don't know how old this this demo build will be. Uh, there was also one thing I noted in my preview article that I came across some uh, textures that were very muddy. Like, and okay. it's like, I know it's a more budget release, but it's like even like when you go up to a rock on a PlayStation Five game, and it's like this looks like it would not be out of place on a Wii or early PS3 title. It's like uh, that's the Triace classic right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just some um, weird aspect. Like, what is that? <laughs> I, I don't want to be a snob. It's just like one of those yeah. things where like it happened often enough where it's like. Hmm. 
Uh, you see, oh, yeah, yeah, you notice it. You're going to report on it. You're not going to ignore yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah. And you're not, you're not going either to like with this whole intention of like bashing the gear. It's like, oh, okay, I just saw this. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, overall, I had a decent time with it. Uh, we did get some uh, comments where it's like, why didn't you talk about the fact that combat has like this AP system where <laughs> you like once you finish a chain, you, you're basically sitting on your ass. Well, first off. That's part of the reason you have Duma is that you can just like use it to run around, like make openings and then do a dash attack. Because while you're doing that, your AP is recharging and you can get to a point where your AP is like very vastly like upgraded and whatnot. It's like it's one of those things where it's it's early RPG things. Yeah, it's 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 a quirky RPG thing. And I'm sure like in context of the full game, it's not going to be nearly as much of an issue. It's just like one of those things where it's like. I wasn't expecting it, so there was definitely a few like few instances where I ran out of AP and it was kind of awkward. But it's one of those things where it's like you get used to it. It's yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, there was uh, there's another uh, one last uh, game you were able to try out the Square East event. We don't have a particular related news piece on it, so just uh, share with us the the last uh, game you were able to play at the Square Enix preview event. So I did not expect Nier Automata to be a good Switch port because like we we had it announced like Nier Automata, the end of Yorha edition is coming to Switch. We've known that for several months now. Uh, I played it because after I'd finished up with Crisis Core and Dragon Quest Treasures and Star Ocean, I still had like an hour and a half of my time allotted. And the only other stuff they had available to play was Harvestella and Theo Field Chronicles, both of which were based off the public demo. So I was like, well, I can't really get much from this. I can't just get it home. So I figured, well, I'll, let's see how let's see how near Tom does playable on Switch. Um, so it's a much better conversion than honestly it has any right to be. Like, it, like obviously, if you look closely at it, you'll notice the differences in the graphical fidelity. But resolution wise, and like overall, like fidelity, it's it's not that far off from the base PS4 version. And when you're playing it, sure, the frame rate isn't as good. It's still like a really solid experience. I, I, think, I, think, I think I think people just like want it like just at least like, you know, play well and like make it feel good. So it seems like that's what you got away from it. It's like, hey, you know, you're not really sacrificing too much if you want to play this on the go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things where you can tell that a lot of effort was put into the port and it's like, I said it even in, in the tweet. It's like it's probably the most impressive Switch conversion I've seen because it retains so much of the PS4 original, and it's and it's not like Alien Isolation, which was the previous like poster child for a really impressive uh, Switch conversion, or even Witcher Three. It's like Witcher Three, very obviously a lot of concessions. Resolution's very low, the frame rates very low, the uh, graphical fidelity is very muddy but you look at near tom and it's like yes the frame rate isn't as good but the resolution is still very respectable and the overall fidelity it's like you can see parts where it's obvious it had to be downgraded but unless you're specifically looking at them side by side and looking for those changes it does not stand out it's a very solid very competent version of the game and while he's on the podcast with us this week, I did have a small conversation with uh, our, our boss, uh, Alexander Donaldson, on Twitter earlier because he also was at a similar event in London uh, to play some games. And he shared my thoughts on Nero Tomda's uh, Switch version being a very uh, impressive uh, showing. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. like if, if, if you only have a Switch and you want to play Nero Tomda, which was, uh, I believe it was our RPG of the year 2017. 
I believe so. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, feel like you can feel confident that you are not getting a bad version of that game. If you want to play Nier and you only have a Switch, you can safely look forward to it. Yeah, that's really valuable. And uh, thank you so much for giving that a look because I think a lot of people, like, you know, might be like, uh, uh, not this like it feels like under the radar in a sense because like people don't never know what to uh expect out of like switch conversions because there's been like there a fair share of good ones and a fair share of bad ones so it's always difficult to like get a gauge of like which which is going to be the good and which is going to be the bad one so it's always valuable to hear to like okay there have been real hands-on impressions i can you know feel confident that like what i'm getting is of uh, decent quality and i think that covers us for most or of all of the Square Enix-based Tokyo Game Show announcements, but we did have a lot of announcements from other publishers throughout the event, of course. Now, this next one is one that we could have easily led off this podcast with, easily, but we brought it back down here, in approaching our third hour, because just we're going mostly chronologically, and this was a bit of a later announcement. So Konami had a presence at TGS, and we did know ahead of time that they were planning to unveil something for a long-running fan-favorite series. Some people thought, I think, Silent Hill or some things. Uh, without bearing the lead, they announced a new project in the Suikoden series, Suikoden 1 and 2 HD remaster coming to all consoles. Well, I guess last-gen consoles, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC next year. We got a lot of footage from both the remake, uh, sorry, the remaster of the first and second game. And this seems to have been something that a lot of people have been clamoring for. Of course, we've talked a lot about Suikoden in a kind of a tangential way ever since the announcement of Aiden Chronicle a couple years back, which is supposed to be a spiritual successor to this. But it sounds like now, instead of just having Suikoden at home, we also have Suikoden HD remaster officially from Konami next year in a kind of an HD 2D style engine. Uh, and this seems really exciting. And I know that some people here, Adam and Josh, and maybe James, I'm not sure, have really fond memories of this series. Adam said as he was listening to some of the soundtrack that he was tearing up. Uh, hopefully I didn't betray too much by sharing that. But uh, you feel very strongly about this series, uh, Adam. And when you saw this announcement trailer for the 1 and 2 remaster, uh, what was your feedback? Well, we actually already knew this was coming, or we had heavy hints that this is coming. It was a secret. Um, so it was, we were kind of we when we uh, watched the trailer, we were watching the stream. They announced they originally announced Tweaked in One remaster, and we were like, "Oh, that's weird." We thought I thought we heard it was going to be both of them. I guess it's only the first one because uh, they were kind of being sly, and they didn't actually announce that it was both games until like the end of the stream event, yeah. uh, which is kind of funny because uh, Tweaked in Two is. I mean, Tweaked in One is great too, but Tweaked in Two is like. The favorite, so it's, it's like kind the of, of the, the golden though, child so. of the series, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I mean, looking at like the up, it, some people were wondering if this was just going to be like an up res of like the PSP version, which never released in the West or things like that. And maybe that was the base, but it doesn't. That doesn't seem to be the case. Um, they showed, you know, there's new art for the characters. Like it's a pixel based game, but their character like portrait art. Yeah, Junko yeah, uh, Kwano is back on, like, uh, involved this weekend in one HD remaster. Yeah, and, like, they, it, it's actually, like, a redrawn, like, portrait of that yes. character art. It's not just, like, it's not like Grandia remaster where they just kind of, like, like artificially enhanced it. Mm -hmm. um, they've literally redrawn to the point that, like, even sometimes the character is just facing the other direction entirely, like, their portrait art. So it the looks portrait so much art cleaner. is new. Yeah, yeah it's, so it looks good because it, it is redrawn. Um, 
the uh, the backgrounds are uh, maybe a little bit more mixed on the backgrounds. I know some, like Cullen was saying, this looks like RPG Maker. Uh, now, there ha there is some footage out there that shows that you might be able to go back to the original backgrounds. I don't think that's been announced, though. Uh, I guess a version of this game has leaked. So that's not, like, finished. So, like, anything that people are finding in that leak, it's, you know, no confirmation if that's actually going to be in the final product or not, because, you know, it's in development at the moment. But the backgrounds are new. It's kind of, I'm kind of mixed on if they look better or not. Some of them, like, there's, like, the scene where Joey and Ryu are jumping off the waterfall. They're, they added, like, a moon in the sky there, which is, to be honest, a little corny. But, you know, I think it looks nice. Like, uh, the there's... camp that Joey, like, goes around in at the beginning of Sweet It In, too, the, the, that one looks better. Yeah, and then there's the there's the famous uh, waiting for Joey scene they have a screenshot for that looked really nice. Um, oh, gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, that scene makes you cry. Uh, and um, the character pixel the pixels themselves, like the character you know pixel art, looks pretty much intact. Like no smoothing filter. Yeah, thank God. Like that. It's very, so, very crisp. Yeah. And Suikoden has like great pixel animation there's like so many different sprite animations that are throughout the game someone was actually sharing them in another channel like all the different animations like at your camp there's like a fishing animation a cooking animation some lots of mini game animations all of your characters and also in battle of course as well so uh it's one of the best pixel like art styles i think in a very small you know, detail that, like, that, uh, that only like uh, us will like get excited for but like not in the Suikoden 1 HD remaster, but for the Suikoden 2 HD remaster, they added diagonal movement in oh, yeah. that game. <laughs> so it's just like, it's like a small thing, but like, you remember like the Final Fantasy pixel remasters, like they kind of made a big deal of that. The thing, uh, is, with the, the thing is with the diagonal movement is there, there's actually like a new like pixel frame yes, for that. Pixel frame. Like where they're facing diagonal. And it's yeah. literally like, what the fuck? I didn't know they could look like that. You're used to the pixel, the character either looking just up, down, left, or right. Like they can look diagonal. Like, they don't even crazy. do that in the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster, I think. They yeah. just they just kind of yeah. sh like, they know, just like slide by like, slide diagonal. <laughs> yeah. Um, th th there's so also like game... a... Go ahead. I, I was going to say like there might be like a like there's evidence of the of a, of a, a localization pass on it. Not not exactly yeah. entirely retranslated, but like the original localizations of Suikoden One and Two were pretty rough. Uh, mm -hmm. back in like that that era of time where like the localization process was still pretty primitive to where it is now. So th there's been like a lot of screenshots going around comparing like the scripts, and there used to be at the, at the very least an editing pass through it. Um, IGN sh sh shared a Necklord uh, boss battle gameplay, and like they use like different terminology in it. So instead of like the Star Dragon Sword in the original, it's now the Celestial Sword, for example. You know, which is it just sounds better, less stiff. For some of the terminology in that, there's only one line that made me raise an eyebrow when Nanami first, you know, runs into Ryu again after he goes off to war. You know, after you know they think he's dead, she says in the new translation, "Like, how are you?" Like, oh, that's yeah, weird. yeah, that's a, that's a little bit weird. That, that, that's actually a fun scene because she like tackles him and like strangles him on the ground, like <laughs> out of love. But she, in the original game, I think her dialogue is like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> like uh, after she's are like okay? strangling him. But yeah. in this game, he's like, how are you? It's very quick in the trailer. Like, that's kind of weird, but maybe it'll make better sense in context. I, I, I felt like that part is it got cut off from the trailer. So we Yeah, it, it was very wow. quick in the trailer. So it's kind of hard to make a judgment on that. But, um, go, go, go on. I, I cut you off, Adam. No, that, that's actually what I was going to bring up was the, uh, okay. the editing pass of the translation. But, you know, coming out next year for basically all the major platforms, not like the next the PS5 gen, but 
you know, you use the backwards compatibility stuff for them to play on right. other systems. So, um, this is the this one is awesome. thing is uh, the battle UI looks it apparently looks like the uh, boilerplate, like Unity UI, mm-hmm. it looks like a mobile game. Yeah, you see it in the maybe IGN, that'll change. Uh, boss footage. Yeah, yeah the, maybe the, it'll change before release. Even if it doesn't, I'm sure the PC version will get hundreds of mods, everyone tweaking it to right. their own liking. So, so yeah, that, that's like the one thing about the visuals. Like the background, are, I'm half and half on, but the battle UI is just kind of like, this is pretty bad. I hope they oh, so change it. Some of the new stuff is what you expect from HD remasters these days. They added autosave. There's a uh, yeah. fast forward battles uh, feature. You have the conversation log. You have like a like a new like full map screen, so like you see the full like map map of, like the the zone that you're in. Um, so you know typical stuff that you would uh, expect from uh, an HD remaster. That's all right, Konami. Rare Konami W right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for Konami. Yeah, but this was this was very very awesome. I'm very glad that this is happening. I'm and just, I'm and I'm someone who has not played these games, so it's finally nice. Yeah. Like whenever I see a Steam release, I'm like, oh, all right, I have no excuse now. So it's same with this, basically uh, the same with Judgment. This was the single biggest like announcement for like our social media. Like when you like when you tweeted out the story, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. everyone was like, holy shit, <laughs> people were losing their minds. Um, well, I th- and- I think they kind of benefited from the additional word of mouth in like the last four years because of Aiden Chronicle, more people have been just talking about, Oh yeah, I love Suikoden growing up or things like that. And now it's like uh, that nostalgia, they could kind of play off here and say like, all right, you know, we have this in our back, in our back pocket. That's what we're going to do with it. Even if like the, the foundation of this, like Ichi remaster was like, Hey, Konami noticed that like, you did that you didn't Chronicle Kickstarter made bank. I, and mm-hmm. like did really well and like showed like there's a lot a lot of interest for Suikoden. Even if that was like sure that's like what kind of spurred them to do this. Like it's I'd rather have this than not. Obviously, you know mm-hmm. this is great. <laughs> this is good news. Uh, all IGN also interviewed some of the people currently at Konami. To be honest, mm-hmm. I don't have their names in front of me, mm-hmm. and they basically said, "Of course they're going to say this. They're interested in doing more Suikoden." Yeah, you know they're not going to say now nah, we don't want to, but. um you know, if this remaster does like really well, and like they see that there actually is an audience for games like this, maybe higher ups at Konami can be convinced that like, hey, we should like maybe have one of our dev teams that I don't even know who Konami's dev teams are anymore, but uh, work on this. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I, I don't even know what like what what a Suikoden Six like dev team looks like, and it's not to right. say that it would be it would be bad, right? Because think about Suikoden Five, one of like considered one of the best in the series. And it's not- the original creator had nothing to do with it, but it's still yeah, really good. Yeah, that was still a new, that was a new development team uh, for them. Mm-hmm. So, and that was like fantastic. So, and like you know, and if this does really well, just aside from a new Suikoden, they can also bring over the PS2 Suikoden. Bring them on over. I want to see Suikoden Five. Yeah, Suikoden uh, Five is Three is also good in from Three. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Is Three is like the furthest in the timeline, and then Four and Five are like at earlier points in the timeline. So. I think five is the earliest, isn't it? I think it's like yeah, the prequel to all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so sure. on, on like other games that have like connected timelines, these are a little bit looser. Like the events of five really have no bearing, very very little on you know, it, other than window dressing. It's, it's some, yeah, and some of the like, especially the PS2 era Suikoden's, like they definitely benefit with like like a fast forward feature, like yeah, the fast forward. That, that would especially help Suikoden three if that ever gets a remaster. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, yeah, this is great news all around. I mean, pe- people are uh, Suikoden fans are feasting next year because it's not only Suikoden one and two, 
it's also the Uden Chronicle 100 Heroes. Yeah, so uh, we got uh, new footage from Aiden Chronicle 100 Heroes the first time in a while back at Gamescom. And then at TGS, they had a special announcement program just for it alongside a new trailer. Now, the trailer shares a lot of same footage with the Gamescom trailer, but it's almost like a sequel trailer where it continues it further. And as someone who doesn't have the nostalgia for Suikoden, but really likes how Aiden Chronicle looks as kind of like a throwback Super Nintendo 16-bit era RPG, only in like a HD 2D style engine. I think it's got like this trailer is really the bomb. It's got good music. It's got good visuals. It's just just a really good trailer. And I don't say that a lot for trailers. So I think it might Chron- be my favorite trailer. Like if we're just talking trailers of the week, it might be my favorite. And I will so, say that just like seeing the actual like sprite animation now compared to what's in the Rising prequel, which is obviously a much more budget game, is like thank God. <laughs> Yeah, this is actual sprite animation. So, yeah, yeah and then I, the, I, one I of the major focuses trailer is so good. <laughs> and one of the major focuses of Aiden Chronicles' presence at uh, I, I keep saying Chronicles, Aiden Chronicles' presence at TGS is that it did reach the stretch goal during its initial Kickstarter campaign for voice acting. So we got some uh, say you announcements for I think three of the major characters. Uh, so I don't have a lot of his, uh, history or knowledge with the specific voice actors that they detailed, but basically that's one thing where this is different from the Suikoden series is that it does have a voice acting for these characters, despite having a kind of a similar looking art style. So they, they didn't uh, mention was... that the Suikoden remaster is not adding voice acting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's Noah, Sane, and uh, there's a third character, I forget, that we got the voice actor uh, actor for. And then, um, uh, yeah, just like a really really good trailer for a game that's coming out next year. We don't have a release window other than just next year, but it just looks, even for someone that doesn't have this weekend in nostalgia, this just looks really, really promising. So I'm excited for this, even as an outsider. Yeah. Yeah, they they still don't have a like a firm release date, which is fine. You know, take all the time that you need to, like, just make this a pretty, just amazing game. You know, mm-hmm. and now and, now, and weirdly enough, now you have competition with like the series that like you're your spiritual successor of now. <laughs> Just a weird thing to think about, right? Yeah, Moriyama and- actually tweeted. Um, I don't know what the Japanese phrase translates to. You did it. <laughs> um, and like happy that you know. Yeah, yeah. That, I think I think I think they're just yeah. It's it's uh. I think they're just like very like joyful. Mm-hmm. You know, of course they yeah. want to like see the the series that like they created like be do well be successful be relevant again of course they're going to be happy you mm-hmm. know bless their hearts um and it's also really funny to think about the logistics of this because obviously you said since koano was involved is involved with the suikoden one hd remaster um like obviously she had to keep that secret from like the AUN chronicle team that she's also working with that's supposed to be like you know an answer to like no suikoden games i didn't even or, realize that yeah yeah, she, yeah she's the artist on suikoden one she's, she's, the, the, she's the double agent Oh my god! Uh, art, and she's also the character designer for Aiden Chronicles. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sick. Kawano has uh, slayed everybody. <laughs> yeah, like I think both, both sides. Of these... So, so they're always coming out on top. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are, uh, I guess, Suikoden fans are going to be eating well in uh, next year with both of these titles. All right, we have uh, at least two other things that came out of TGS uh, for upcoming RPGs. One of which, a game that we haven't talked about in a while, is the turn-based RPG uh, One Piece Odyssey. So we knew that uh, ILCA, Ilka, and publisher Bandai Namco were working on this. It was obviously a surprise that they were making a turn-based RPG rather than an action game. Uh, We got a new release date for One Piece Odyssey. It'll be another January release. So again, as always, quarter one is looking pretty packed. Uh, One Piece Odyssey will release on January 13th in the West, January 12th in Japan for 
uh, Xbox Series, PlayStation, and PC. And we got a new um, trailer for the release date, which shows um, a lot of cinematics and I think a little bit of gameplay. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, for fans of that series, we've got a new RPG uh, early next year for them. Yeah, I there's not really much else to say because like the, the release date is the the big thing out of it. I, I'm not a One Piece person, but like there's a a, a, a certain a One Piece character, Vivi, is showing it. They like tease at the end of the trailer, and like I don't, I'm not a One Piece person, so I don't know how much this uh, resonates with One Piece fans. I'm just like, yeah, I guess. Or thumbs up. Yeah, and for those and for those that haven't been keeping up, this is an original story, so no way they're trying to tackle you know such a long running manga and yeah, having their I, own. I, the reason why people like BB, you have the the Straw Hat crew, like the main characters who kind of like stick together and are there the whole time. Vivi was like an honorary star hat for like an early long arc, like the first big arc in the show. Okay, but then she had to leave like for story reasons. So it's like one of the only times where a straw hat had to leave the group and it's obviously very tearful and whatnot. Oh. So basically people will take any moment to like see her again sort of thing because all the other characters are like still there, but she's mm-hmm. like, you know, she had to go somewhere else. So that's why. Okay. <laughs> all right. So yeah. And, and for people like, you know, who are stupid like me, but when it comes to like not knowing one piece, like the, the, the game plot is basically just like, Hey, they go to this mysterious Island. There's this new game, original character, that distrust them and like she has the power to like do the metroidvania thing where she like takes away all their powers so much of the game is exploring this island and like regaining their powers that's my understanding of it seems a little bit like gamey but hey i'm okay with it stuck in the video game plot dimension mm-hmm. here's another demo that i know a lot of people in our discord both the public and in the staff have been enjoying is the upcoming wolong fallen dynasty also from team ninja and koei tecmo uh, got a demo uh, in this last week. So it is a limited time demo. So it only lasts until September 26th. But I know a lot of people have been enjoying this and sharing like no damage runs on the demo content and things like that. And I know that uh, yeah. Josh's at least have played this. So no release date yet for this. I forget if we got a lot a lot of other footage for this out of TGS or if the demo a, was the main thing. The, the main thing was the demo. They showed like a Lubu boss fight in the TGS stream for it as well. Um, this is the, There's like a Neo deal. So after... You complete the demo. Uh, uh, this is only available on PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X and S. By the way, the demo it's not. It's gonna, the full game is going to be available on PC and last gen consoles as well. But as for the demo, it's only for PS Five and Xbox Series. Um, and then after you complete the demo, it does the Neo thing of like, "Hey, do you want to fill out a survey?" And then you know you have the chance to like you know submit feedback on the game. So and you know and you know the Neo developers will take that feedback into account when like mm. making final adjustments on the game they have a pretty good track record hey josh do you That's remember a- when neo one almost had weapon durability <laughs> oh my god dude the, the fucking first demo of Neo one was wild <laughs> yeah i remember that <laughs> yep but uh, i'm i think only the two of us have played the yeah. demo so far so what like, do you, what do you, you think th- I, I i mean for me i had a blast of the demo uh i really oh, liked yeah. it a lot um, oh the, yeah, I had a lot uh, of fun. My one main I have a I have two minor complaints. One, if bosses and enemies are going to be as quick as they are at, at the very end, like the second phase of the of the yeah. uh demo's boss, healing should probably take a little less time to go through. For sure. Like for I sure. feel like you stand still a little bit too long because there's not really a good opening in that it's like bosses uh 
attacks to be able my, to my, my, my healing phase uh, was uh, on that boss was like at the very beginning when it does its two swipe like I just fucking ran back and th- took a heal if I, if I took uh, too much damage on the first phase yeah like you basically have to like bait it, like certain attack patterns but to, to, to kind of explain like like Wolong is pretty different from Neo in fundamental ways um like stances are gone like that's yeah, the major yeah. thing like stances, stances are, are gone, gone. St- there's no stamina system in it there's no like key well yes and no yeah, yes, yes and, and no. yes and no but like on, on its face like you could keep on attacking without like a stamina gauge draining down but i think it's it's fucked up because like you and chow will get what i'm what i'm kind of going to compare the uh replacement for stamina and will long to because it's not a stamina system but it's like, what's the name of the system from uh, Undernight? Oh, or, the, the the grit was it GRD system? Yeah, yeah GRD system. system. It's basically it's basically just that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So basically, in in Wolong, um, the it, it's interesting because like your your uh, main UI is like un, like in the center, like right beneath your character. So like your life bar and like this other like all the relevant meters is no longer the top left corner. It's like right by your character, so like you're focused in on the action without your eyes dwindling to the corner of the screen. Um, underneath your life bar, there's like this gauge that's normally empty. It's called the soul gauge, and how the system works is it can go both ways. It can go it can go to the negative and it can go to the positive. If you go negative, you go red. You go positive, you go to blue. That there are certain actions that you take that will both uh, fill this gauge up and will deplete this gauge. Actions like dodging uh, and like and and guarding, no, no, not guarding, dodging for sure will uh, deplete this soul gauge. Um, when you're, I don't think it, it depletes when you're attacking. Um, it does when, not. Well, it depends on the attack because if you're using oh, yeah, a regular spirit. attack combo, I believe if you whiff your attacks, it might do like a little bit of damage to your soul gauge. But if it connects, it'll. Uh, you'll gain soul. yeah and 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 there's also uh you have like yeah your two attacks your your standard attack in the square and then on the triangle button you have your your spirit attack and that takes it takes away a chunk of your soul gauge as well um when you when like james uh said when you uh, when you successfully hit like consecutive attacks on enemies you fill that soul gauge up now when you let that soul gauge go all the way down that doesn't mean you're quote unquote out of stamina but when on your next hit, you'll be uh, taken to like a vulnerable state where like you're stunned for a bit, and then you can take a lot of damage from attacks. So if you let that uh, soul gauge go to like negative one thousand, on the yeah, upside, the good news is that once you get stunned, it'll reset. So yeah, yeah. And then when you get obviously when you get more soul gauge, that just basically like allows you to have like a bigger buffer zone of like being able to like take be more mobile without consuming as much soul gauge. Because you have a lot more to work with, so that that basically opens up your mobility options. So it's ha- it's like it's like a tug of war, but balancing defense and offense. You cannot commit to one too much, or else you'll be punished for in this game. It's pretty aggressive, uh, in terms in terms of like how you balance your offense and defense because of this soul gauge. Um, what are the uh, obviously you have your your uh, a guard button. You now also have a dedicated jump button. But one of the main um, things in this game that it emphasizes is a deflect, which is like a parry. So instead of like, uh, you can like uh, dodge with like a double tap to circle, but if you tap it once, you'll do like a, a quick parry like animation. Um, and any attack that, um, most attacks that uh, hit it 
you like kind of like deflect it and then you regain a little bit of soul gauge so uh, like optimal play in this game is like hey be on the offensive and then pair and then deflect attacks um you know to make sure that like you have an ample amount of soul gauge to uh do your actions without um you know be, be put in a vulnerable state um, and then like Sekiro and I guess Neo 2, there's some attacks where you'll see like a flash of red, like a red like core in the enemy kind of flash that denotes that if you deflect that attack, you'll leave them in a vulnerable state. They'll take a lot of uh, soul damage and uh, gives you an opening to really kind of go ham on them. For yeah, the, the, the deflect window for those is pretty tight too. You have to be pretty precise with those and, and those like special attacks, you cannot guard them as well. Um, so like much like Sekiro, um, so that is how like it it primarily uh, is a different flow to Neo because of that. You also have um, your each of your weapons uh, have different like martial art skills to them. So there's like different weapon types like swords, uh, sabers, um, uh, glaives, which are like uh, the spears and pole arms, uh, dual swords. Um, in this game, there's like not as much itemization as Neo is. Like there, there's like it does, there's when things drop equipment, it's not not nearly as much as uh, Neo. And um, when you pick up stuff that are like is similar, it can have like it has like the same base stats, but like may have different martial arts skills. So let's say I have this pole arm and I have another pole arm. If they're the same rarity. Which like let's say like they're both one star pole arms. They'll have the same stats like for attack, uh, uh, but they may have like different martial arts skills attached to them uh, that may give them like different like moves uh, to vary up like their move set. Um, if I get like a, a, another pole arm that's like a different like higher rarity, then that did, uh, notes that like there will be better stats on them uh, as well. So it's not, it's not so the stat variety. Isn't like it doesn't deviate as much as like Neo does, but uh, it 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 it's different when it comes to like their skills on them. Um, well, Neo Neo is almost like overly min maxi, where you have like depending on the tier of the weapon, you have four like sub skills, and then there's like so many mechanics. I even forget what they are to like temper them away yeah. and try to yeah. get the perfect alignment of sub skills on your weapons. Where a divine tier helmet or whatever can have like so many different permutations of sub skills and things like that, which is kind of fun in the process. But I remember spending hours and hours at the blacksmith, just like trying to get that like min max to a good state. So here's a question for you, Josh. Did you kill the giant bird? Yes. Did you get the sword that you get from killing it? I don't know if I got a sword, but I definitely picked up like a, a really great like pole arm, like at the, uh, from the yellow drop zone around it. I don't yeah, remember. Like I got a like sword that was like a four star and it had like some unique uh, skills uh, attached to it, and I used that for the rest of the uh, demo, which makes sense. It's not very not much left after that. So yeah, I I rented spears. I really like spear. I I did uh, some um some experimentation with the scimitar and the uh, and the dual swords, but I kept coming back to spear. I really like that uh a lot. Um. So like in in this game it also has like a uh, a similar like map structure to Neo so there are se several checkpoints that are like shrines uh called like like the war flag like checkpoints like you'd like implant a flag on these uh things and then and some of them serve as like your shrines in the game where yeah. you can like level up your stats um switch out like the, you know like your spirit elemental um that that you that guides you where you can summon them 
or like it like infuse them into you for stat buffs when that meter fills up and um and there's like a, a, i don't really i didn't really engage with this much i understand like the fundamentals behind it but i didn't really care about it too much there's like a morale rank system in the yeah, game yeah that's what i wanted to talk about like yeah. i like when they were detailing it i was kind of concerned because it's like oh that sounds like uh like soul tendency in demon souls i don't know why that would come back in an entirely different studios game but in context it works out a lot better because the way it works is is that the more flags you've placed down and there's mo- there's areas where you can place down flags even not for checkpoints but like yeah. off the beaten path where that raises the minimum morale rank for that level which means that even if you die you'll you'll start at a certain morale and you can work your way back up and from the looks of it like every level probably has enough of those to guarantee that you're at least on par with the boss yeah so and like, this is like there's kind of like a level up stat system like that's working passively behind the scenes so like so like every enemy has like a certain like morale slash level and then so you like you can like uh like kind of quote unquote level up your character as you progress through the stage so it, it's sort of like rewarding you for like hey if you explore more of this level um and like put these flags down um you'll have like a somewhat easier time if you keep on like dying throughout the level um so at least you like you know your minimum morale rank is at a certain level so like you don't feel too too underpowered to face what's uh uh waiting for you in the level so like it's it's one of those systems that's kind of like whatever at like i just did it but i never i never really like thought about like it too much um so i wonder if they're gonna tweak anything with that or just keep it the same i think the uh, right now i wonder what they're gonna do about like the boss design because the boss has two phases in it it's like a it's like a first like a normal human phase and the second phase is like a, it's like a more demonic form the, the first phase f- is a bit of a joke <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a joke because you can hit stun it the the boss and like it's it, it, it's it's kind of weird sometimes sometimes you just like hit stun it in a corner to oblivion and then like it's whatever sometimes it'll be be kind of bullshit and like it'll do like an instant counter attack like the red attacks like in the middle of your like your attack string as you're doing the animation and while it's hit stunned so that's a little bit of like a a weird you know uh system um but the the second phase is a lot more challenging but it's kind of it's to me it's kind of weird that like there's no really like alternate tactics that you can do against it aside from like learning the boss attack patterns all, all the all the moves and deflecting every single one pretty much and then like just taking your time and like picking your openings and like just being forced to, like hey you have to deflect pretty much every attack uh for, for this boss because you cannot be you cannot dodge too much in it because you really need your soul gauge to be well, stable throughout that fight a lot of his attacks are sweeps which you can just double jump over yeah yeah but uh, but for me like my tactic for it was like kind of uh staying like mid to far distance and like kind of baiting the charge move to deflect it and baiting the the arm the red arm move to to stagger it to like uh to to break its soul gauge yeah yeah and the red arm move is funny because like as soon as you see the flash you can press the button you're basically good to deflect it yeah which which is notable because a lot of times the deflect window is very very tight and 
that's like one thing I think they might end up uh, adjusting a bit, like just making maybe giving it like a few more frames. But it uh, was it, it was very rewarding, like uh, learning that system through that fight and like the bird, like the bird mini boss. Uh, like I really enjoyed learning the bird mini boss because well, because I found like you know when you learn that like you can deflect like the the red projectile laser beam it f- fires at you and like you can, once you like. Like I'll try deflecting this, and then like your your character like fires it back at it, and it's like that's fucking metal. <laughs> that's yeah. sick as fuck, you know. Yeah, some of the unique animations for like deflecting those attacks is really really cool, and especially like the uh, finisher stuff. Like I posted like a clip on my Twitter about like uh, doing the execution for the uh, buffed tiger enemy about like a third, maybe a halfway through the uh, demo level, and it was like really satisfying. Yeah, I, 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 Adam, Adam, and uh, Brian should really give this demo a shot before it goes yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, basically I, everything you're saying, you've been talking about this for a while. But like, uh, a lot of times, I've just kind of been like, yeah, I really love Neo Two. This is obviously that that studio's next project, but it's not on PC the demo. So, but I have a PS Five, so like, nothing's really stopping yeah. me. I just got to get my head out of my butt and just go do it. And basically, I everything will... I've seen of this demo has been really promising. So I really don't have an excuse. I will say one thing is that um, first off, I don't know what uh, sort of anti-aliasing they're using for the console demo. I'm not sure. Maybe they're using FSR because I like. I mean, that's FSR 2.0 is a thing. It's like DLSS is supported in the engine for uh, for um, the Neo engine, and like a lot of people have said, if you have everything you need to support that, you can support FSR. So who knows? Like if it's but it's like people have done pixel counting and they said it's like around 1440p on both systems. And it's like oh. it it definitely on console looks uh, fairly crisp, maybe a little bit over sharpened, but it's definitely like in the state it's in right now. It's already pretty promising. Yeah, it's a looker and it, it looks it, it it's such it's it's different enough from Neo that it feels fresh. In, uh, yeah, in a good way. that's the thing I was going to say is I don't necessarily think the combat is deeper than Neo because like the whole thing with the stances and being able to switch between those and whatnot. And like the key pulses, like if I I do think there's probably going to be some people that come into uh, this game and it's like, Oh, like the majority of the combat is spamming just a basic like attack combo doing spells and deflecting. It's like, so like Sekiro, but if people can't come into it expecting it to be more like Neo, they might be a little bit disappointed. But that doesn't take away from the fact that I had a blast with it, and I'm I'm really excited to see what the rest of the game has to offer. Yeah, Neo Neo devs do not fucking miss. <laughs> that's that that's for sure. And again, this is a limited time demo, so if anyone, including me, is going to play it, we only have so many uh, only so many days to do it. But yeah, everything I've seen about this has been really promising. I've seen a lot of people sharing stuff on social media for it. So this is shaping up to be one of the most probably going to end up being on our most anticipated list for next year. I would have bet. So absolutely, absolutely. All right, everything else on our list, we are finally nearing the end. Uh, this is just kind of catch-up stuff. I don't remember exactly when all these headlines filtered out throughout the TGS week, so we'll just kind of pull them all here at the end. Uh, one of them is that there is a new update to Genshin Impact. We have Genshin Impact 3.1 uh, that I guess the only way that we're going to make any heads or tails of this is to talk to Chow about it and see, like, uh, we talked a bit about the 3.0 update with the new uh, the new world and the new like the new map and the new uh, element, like the grass element. I forget what it was called, but it's I don't dendro, know guys. the what? It's dendro. Yeah, dendro. That's it. So basically, we talked. We had a, a 
a chance on the podcast previously for you to talk about that, but specifically uh, 3.1, which is coming out at the end of the month on September 28th. Uh, there's three new characters listed. I don't know much about them, but is there anything specific on this that you're excited about based on what you've played through uh, 3.0? Uh, 3.0 is actually a very good patch. I actually enjoy this patch more than... There was a game that came out around similar at the same time, and I actually very enjoyed this. Our fantasy. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, Josh, I'll give you P- uh, PTSD from this patch. It has a storyline from a famous anime that's similar to Endless Eights. Dude, why would you? And you're saying this is good? Yeah, it actually is mm-hmm. very good. They somehow able to make this work somehow. It has an Endless Eight story. Oh boy. And then there is a different story in there. But anyways, uh, basically the character is a trap in this time loop. And it, but instead in this, like, you know, instead of Endless 8, they fast forward through the fillers, you know. Lame. made you go through the... That that, that destroyed the soul of it. Never mind. Yeah, you said this was better. (laughs) Well, so it's like, it's like that. But the problem is, like, they figure out it's not really a time loop. You know, it's they're trapped in a dream, and there's a certain person's body that cannot handle the stress because she's chronologically ill. So they need to get out of this time loop immediately. No, that's kind of like the idea of it. So, anyways, uh, in one of the plot lines in there, there is a cult that is trying to resurrect the the Scarlet King. I believe that might be the Fire Archon at one point, and. I guess this trailer is kind of hinting more to that plot arc because the Sumeru doesn't go for the entire storyline. It only gives you like tidbits. So now we're stuck in the waiting game for more content, right? Your favorite. But the, yep. This new patch specifically adds like the desert region. Yeah. And like it's very Egyptian themed, or at least it appears like that. So we got uh, Sino, which is the new electric. Uh, five-star character. Uh, we have a friend named Sino in the server that we go with, and he's like, <laughs> you're not rolling for me? What are you? It's like, you guys are pathetic. <laughs> only only if you're meta. And, well, anyways, uh, the biggest announcement is not really about the Genshin, really. It's really about their whole collaboration with uh, UFO Table. Is that how you yeah, pronounce it? I pronounce it as UFO Table, but it, I guess people see UFO Table as well. That's yeah. the they're most notable for the the ones who animated the recent uh, Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works uh, TV show, the Heaven's Field movies. They're also the studio behind the Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba uh, TV the, anime series uh, as well. The opening the, of Tales the, of Arise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they did a lot of projects, and they announced basically kind of like a kind of like a concept, you know, a trailer. You know, it's not like an anime, but you know, it's just a concept right now, so we don't. Yeah, know it's, a, yeah it's a weird big verdict because they because they call it as like a quote unquote like long term like collab collaboration project, like a series of collaboration project, and like you said, it's like a concept trailer for it. They're they're not be, they're being intentionally vague about like what the nature of this like partnership is between Hoyoverse and Yefotobol, but I don't um, expect too much. Everyone's already like overhyped. Yeah, yeah, like uh, like if people are saying it's gonna be an anime series adaptation, anime adaptation. It's like I don't know. They're being vague, being vague on purpose, but like you know, that's that's pretty exciting for you know fans of Genshin Impact for sure. Like this is like one of the most like highly respected, revered animation studios in the past several years in the anime industry, and like it's that's pretty exciting. I must imagine for them, you know, that they they put out a lot of great work. 
Like it could be just simply like an anime opening for for the game, you know, like, something <laughs> that small. And then the fans are like, oh, it's like you guys suck. I was expecting yeah. a whole series. Yeah, yeah. People already have like their expectations sky high to the moon. Um, yeah, just keep so. your expectation in check. I, I think that's the most exciting announcement. Um, I'm not sure if you stayed up yesterday to watch uh, the Hoyoverse. Uh, segment in Tokyo. No, I, I, once, once they were like, we're gonna play through Genshin, and like, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna watch. And Josh is like, I'm out. It's most like a voice actor. It's mostly uh, the voice actor of Zhang Li trying to convince all the other actors to play the play it because he's no. like a very hardcore Genshin player, right? Nice. So that's the that's that segment, and they're mostly just pr- promoting like merchandises from from different shops. Uh, obviously, we're not counting the Chinese merchandises because they have a Ganyu credit card and we have a car. <laughs> Are you going to get the Ganyu credit card? If account? I had a way. <laughs> but I also don't want the, the government after my money. Mm. Mm. I don't know. how. Like, I wonder how people would feel like if like you, you started paying like, for, like, hey, I'm going to get lunch. Let me go pay my Ganyu credit card. <laughs> I hope you get uh, Primo Gems stacked with that. <laughs> oh my god, if you get fucking Primo Gem rewards from the crack. Oh no. This is too dark. Fuck. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> That's disgusting. I didn't think about that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of collab over the thing. They have a Lawson collab in, in that trailer or whatever. And they were just selling like a bunch of plushies and a bunch of perfume. I think uh, they were talking about it. Does this perfume smell like that bookstore? Because it's based on a bookstore collab, right? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it smells like a bookstore. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, they have that, and then they were promoting the other games from from Hoyoverse. Uh, what is it? They have Honkai Star Rail and Zenla Zone Zero. Zone Zero. Yeah, they, yeah. They, released, they released new trailers for them, but no release dates or anything uh, from them. I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to like catch up on that news. Maybe and there was one more. It. There was that Otome game. I don't know what the Otome game was because oh, I was like, yeah. ah, whatever. I just zoned out during that yeah. part. I just watched the the Harvest Stella Valkyrie Elysium thing, and then I fucking fell asleep. You know, I was like, I need to go catch up on sleep. Um, so I, I don't think they announced anything also for the Dio Field Chronicle TGS stream as well, as far as I know. So, but, I mean, that's, that's already out next week, so people will get their hands on it. But is Tokyo Game Show basically done, or is there one more show? There okay. is several things still coming tonight. You have the Dragon Quest Adventure of Die game project stream. You have, for me, for... Uh, non RPG thing, Gun- Gungrave Gore stage because I like I want to see more of that new Gungrave game. They also have a uh, TGS uh, uh, broadcast for Tactics Ogre Reborn uh, coming tonight, and then yeah, that's pretty much like the significant parts. Well, I guess that's it for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Tokyo Game Show is gonna be a wrap after tonight because you know, really, really strong uh, back in back to in person event uh, this year. This is. One of the best TGSs as far as game announcements and news uh, goes, uh, they've done in a very long time. Very, very I, I'm very happy that in person stuff is starting to happen again. I've been like, like we don't even really have time to talk about, it, but I have. I did also do like a 505 games like preview event this week and played a couple of games like my Asma Chronicles and. I'm very explicitly like holding off from uh, getting that preview up until after TGS kind of settles down. I feel like that's probably the best for everyone involved. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's been very nice to like see that like happen again. It's just been 
Yeah, yeah, that we like see people in person. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. It it was it was kind of it was kind of it was kind of funny in 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 a in a cool way too. Like um, even at the Square Enix event, it was like it wasn't without its own like little issues. But it's like it was one of those things where you could clearly tell everyone involved, both PR and press, were kind of readjusting to it. So even when there was like these minor mistakes, nobody was judging because it's like at the end of the day, everyone was just happy to do something like that again and it's like again people readjusting so. yeah yeah that's good the, there, there's a, a few more th- small tidbits here um i guess i'll, I'll lead it off um, yeah go a, ahead uh, on this one. yeah a, a gundam game lineups uh tgs 2022 stream it's just like you know really revealing the rest of the dlc uh content coming to sd gundam battle alliance uh, people have been really really liking that game like that, that has found a community uh ever since its release so that's really cool to see um they 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 released the the first pack uh a few weeks back like a week or so ago for that game which had the uh, gundam age effects and gundam narrative uh uh units and their missions for the next dlc pack uh, coming out september 29th they'll have the missions and then they'll be adding uh knight superior dragon and uh moon gundam which is a pretty deep cut this is like from a 2017 uh, manga uh and that was only released in japan so that's cool to see uh coming on september 29th uh their final uh dlc a uh, planned dlc for the for the title uh is releasing later in 2022 no release date that's adding uh, uh units from the gundam hathaway movies with a kasi gundam and penelope coming and then a, a, a personal favorite of mine out of nowhere there's a pretty deep cut as well they're uh, they're adding the gundam, gundam xia repair 4 from uh a gundam 00 stage play that was a sequel to the movie so the, the the this Gundam XCA repair for is piloted by not Setsuna, it's piloted by Graham Aker. And once again, this unit and this storyline only ever happened through a stage drama play in Japan that served as the sequel to Gundam 00 Awakening of the Trailblazer movie. Didn't Setsuna become like an alien or something in the yes. movie? I don't even remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he comes back all silver and chrome and yeah. ageless. So this is a pretty wacky, like, that's cool to see. That's uh, These are awesome deep cuts with the Moon Gundam and the Gundam XCR Repair 4. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, checking that out. The SD Gundam Battle Alliance, pretty fun game, uh, playing with friends and everything. So that's been cool. It turns out it's a better game when you don't have to, you're not forced to play it solo with AI. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting because, like, the, 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 they're, they're going to make minor future adjustments to that game. Like, one of the Things is like, oh, we think the mobile armor boss battles, like they have like probably they need we need to adjust like the the challenge level of those. So like they're kind of going back and addressing some of like the some of the problems I had with that game going through it solo, uh, along with like you know adjusting how much money uh, in game money people get in the game. It's kind of too low right now, so it'll continue getting support throughout the the rest of the year. Um, they're also uh, for the Xbox stream uh, they announced. Kind of out of nowhere that they're uh, bringing Dino Kuni Wrath of the, uh, Wrath of the White Witch remastered to Xbox One and Xbox Series X, and they're also bringing um, the Nino Kuni Two eventually as well, I believe. It's not yeah. an RPG, but uh, hell yeah, uh, Arxis is back on Xbox. Uh, yeah, Guilty Strive coming and uh, cr- um, Cross Tag Battle, not Central Fiction, unfortunately. Yeah, still, but um, yeah. That, the, the Guilty Gear Strive is really interesting coming to Xbox because, you know, Arxis has been working on crossplay, cross-play between, yeah. 
on, on PC and PlayStation, and now I wonder if they also have Xbox in mind for the crossplay plan gotta, they have. You gotta assume they will, because they yeah. said that when they were working through the crossplay, they kind of had to get their own servers for it. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then it would just make sense that they want to get as much mileage out of that like uh, purchase as they could. I'd so. love it. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Uh, um, good on fighting games in general this week for like just having crossplay out the gate. Like yeah, Street we, Fighter Six brought the heat. You know, we're yeah, not gonna Street get Fighter into Six, it. All the details about Street Fighter Six and so like good. Tekken and whatnot. We're in a golden age of fighting games. It's it feels so fucking good. It, <laughs> it feels, feels so really good. good. You know, Street Fighter Six might be an RPG in some aspects as well. With the yeah, how collecting abilities. Uh huh. You have stats on there. You have damage numbers. I'm just saying. Uh, back know, to the. Uh, xbox yeah. tgs thing shout outs to fuga melodies of steel for getting a game pass release yes and, uh, i i tweeted out a joke about hey now that it's on game pass i guess the game's profitable and the game's director liked that tweet so uh hey good on them good on them the more people that play fuga melodies of steel the better like i hope that uh, finds like you know new fans through the game pass joe spencer uh, is uh directly funding fuga melodies of steel 3 is a statement that you can say that you cannot prove is wrong that's true that's true good on phil for like uh, going out and reaching out to the japanese uh developers and you know getting getting more of them on game pass so yeah nino kuni wrath of the rich remastered um on on xbox and xbox series x um there it's instantly available uh, as well on xbox game pass so once again game pass getting a w and then they're also uh bringing uh nino kuni 2 revenant kingdom uh later in 2023 for Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and I assume Xbox Game Pass as well, uh, following the uh, Wrath of the White Witch remastered. And supposedly, and, uh, they're still working on uh, Xbox, or they haven't given up hope on Xbox Final Fantasy on 14. Final 14, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see it on the news document. Did we already talk about how uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is getting an X Gen? Uh version oh maybe you haven't yet because uh, adam barely put that up but yeah if you want to talk about it go for yeah, it i think i mentioned last week I, th- I don't remember if it was something we recorded on the podcast or not like hey i could see kakarot getting more dlc because xenoverse yeah. still gets dlc and it, hey, it did yeah so we <laughs> yeah. got another season pass and next gen updates and like uh, i think the thing that really stands out to me is that the next gen versions are only 20 bucks each oh really wow okay, and yeah and they're getting great. physical releases so it's like wow. jesus that's uh that's really cool and like that's you a good see deal the uh comparison screenshots like will they be 60 fps this time because i know I wonder, that like are they xbox offering one upgrades? yes it's a free okay. upgrade cool cool so technically while you could get a next gen version of uh kakarot you could just probably find a like last gen version for like 10 bucks and just wait for the update mm-hmm. but i mean it's it's 20 bucks and i f- i know a lot of people that would just like to have the actual next gen version on their shelves so I, I can't blame that. Hopefully it's 60 FPS. I know the Xbox One X version was 4K 30. So hopefully next gen gets uh, 60 as an option. That would be. I hope so. Uh, I, I think I think we're finally at the last news story out of this jam packed week. And this is a pretty I, big I, I, one. I like how you're taking week. over on announcing these because I'm sitting here kind of like, uh, <laughs> we've made it. And I don't know if this is worthy of the last news story, but maybe it is. I think it is for the for the for the Mega Man fans. Uh, the developers of the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, which has you know pretty much every bag of Mega Man Battle Network game on it, they've announced that they're working on uh, implementing online battles and uh, chip trading for those games. And for that community, that's a tremendous, gigantic uh, W. 
uh, for I them think. because the the battle network like online like community like they've been kind of working at that scene like you know through like uh, like emulation means throughout the like the past few years and that community has like been slowly growing and like they've been really getting into it but now it's gonna it's gonna be officially supported with the, with this legacy collection. Um, no crossplay though. No crossplay, yeah, no crossplay, and also with chip trading, chip trading can only is supported through like the own their own like family of platforms through PlayStation and Xbox, like their own their own separate communities, yeah. and Switch as well. So, but I you know, at the very least, this is one, good. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting is uh, these aren't remasters; these are full remakes. <laughs> oh, are they? Yeah, they they said as much as that they had cool. to remake them, so it's interesting and like you wow. can see like the title screens that they've shown it's like fully remade and it's like mm-hmm. a lot of work's obviously being put in uh into them let us turn off the fucking but no they said we can drop the filter okay i was thinking uh, this yes. has happened so many times turn i just what? like i forget sorry capcom you're, you're doing great can't wait for it <laughs> yeah yeah it's been yeah. a long podcast <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, like uh, we just mentioned, like, yeah, they do offer the option to toggle on or off the quote unquote high quality filter, which uh, smoothens the pixels. It just give me nah. the low quality, <laughs> give me the low quality, More like a low quality filter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like we, we were mentioning earlier, this has uh, Ed Kite put up on his news post that um, this has a brand new menu. You have like kind of like a 3D Mega Man EXE model talking to you with the original voice actor. Uh, go, like you know, you can interact with it in the main menu. They also have like a button to for silent mode, so you can like shut up Mega Man <laughs> as well <laughs> in the main menu. But yeah, w- once again, they're implementing it. I don't think it's gonna be there at launch, but hey, it's it's gonna be there eventually. Um, for these uh Battle Network games, so that's awesome. That's cool. Um, and yeah, that's that's Nintendo Direct. Uh, that this pre Nintendo Direct, then Nintendo Direct. Then State of Play, then RGG Summit, then Tokyo Game Show, all into one week, uh, with all the previews that came out as well, features that came out, lots of demos, uh, opportunities for James to play some games early. You were able to play some Valkyrie demo early, uh, just some just some standard demo experiences with Wolong, things like that. And uh, when we first started recording, shows. I yeah, when we first started recording, I thought mm, we probably won't hit four hours, but we got pretty darn close. And we didn't even hit all the headlines. I'm sure there's lots of things we missed. Like I, there's a second title update for Sunbreak, but you know, not not really worth the the space here because we just knew we had so much else to talk about. Uh, you know, so, we should have talked about Flaming Espinus, and we should have talked about um, Ascended. Uh, no, nah, too late. Was it a oh, Risen Cabilios, you know. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, that like too you late. Know, we talked about on the site. Week. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's up on the site. You know, they're adding layered weapons finally to Sunbreak. You know, and all that good stuff. You can find info for that on the site. Um, it's just been a lot. Uh, some of us need our sleep as well. Can't wait to have a normal sleeping schedule again. And yeah, I mean, we got through it. We survived. Uh, so yeah uh, everything that we've talked about is up on the site it's a lot of features it's an interview it's previews it's it's all up there so um go ahead and give anything that you felt 
It was interesting to you a look up on the site, including all the stuff from we didn't even talk uh, at the end here, all the PAX West stuff from four hours ago that Scott put up. So buried yeah, in the yeah. buried in underneath well, everything else, that's all up there. If you're mi- if you're listening like, and you made it and you made it this far, like let us know what you what you like, uh, what you saw at this like throughout this week and what you liked. Like you know, there's a lot there's a lot of new games coming out. It's been really really fantastic seeing what like Tokyo Game Show and the Nintendo Direct and State of Play brought. Like, but we want to hear from you. You know what what is catching your interest like you know there's been a lot we want to know what the, what you're looking forward to i forgot that we got like forespoken gameplay and other stuff too just there's, yeah. there's even more on the site that we didn't have time for here because we're yes. sitting here at the four hour mark shocking uh, like, uh, apparently forespoken's confirmed uh, for steam deck too oh wow oh nice and, and then yeah. uh and you know and, like the best thing out of this is like we got you have so much playable demos coming out of this as well like it's just it's like it's cool to see these games from a distance, but it's even better to like get like hands on on these like future releases coming out. Now, I still need you know? to play the Harvest Stella demo. I like I'm really excited for that game. The more I see of it in trailers mm-hmm. and whatnot, yeah. So go ahead and visit RPGSite.net and read through some of the previews and interviews and news stories that we've been putting up over the week. Uh, you can also previews. Uh, I played that all on Wednesday, and the embargo was Thursday morning at five a.m. I did yeah, not James sleep that night. Champion, I did not dude. sleep that night. You, you muscled through it. Uh, big props to you, dude. Yeah, uh, definitely. We we worked our asses off for to mm-hmm. bring you the best coverage. I still have more stuff this month. <laughs> So join our uh, join our Discord channel at discord.gg slash RPG site. Uh, we also are on all the social media platforms. Search for RPG site on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll find us there. Uh, if you listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we're not doing well. Um, obviously, we'll, we also put this podcast on YouTube, so you can comment there as well. Well, like I said at the very start, four hours ago, we will try to make the timestamps as useful as possible and try to at least bundle them together for like direct and state of play and all the other stuff, RGG Studios. Uh, and I have no idea what we'll be tidying up next week. Uh, my brain is too fried or frizzled to think about it, but next week, probably a more, uh, probably hopefully a shorter podcast that will tie up any loose ends that come out at the very end of Tokyo Game Show. And obviously, we're just going into a very hectic release schedule. We have uh, at the end of September, we've got Dio Field, Valkyria, Legend of uh, Heroes, Trails from Zero. We didn't mention once, but that's only a few weeks out. And then October is packed. November is packed. December is also getting pretty packed. So it'll be uh, pretty busy from this point forward. Uh, I guess thank you to everyone on the podcast, Josh, James, Adam, and Chow, for sticking it out for four hours. Uh, I know it's probably, you know, mortgaging some part of your... We record this in the middle of the day on Saturdays. So thank you for all sticking it out and putting it together for... Uh, for our listeners i need more coffee me too yeah uh, uh, i don't know thank you so much if you made it this far you know uh listening to this we really appreciate it um yeah there's not really nothing much but for <laughs> us to say thank you for your support thank you for your uh feedback you know wherever you give it whether it's on the site whether it's on social media whether it's on youtube whether it's you know uh, through our uh, various podcast uh feeds you know it's it, it helps us uh you know we really think about like you know what's what makes sense, what makes what what do people care about? How do we uh, serve it like in a reasonable fashion and like easy to understand? You know, we don't want to overload you people. We want to give you like the important details that you care about first and foremost. Uh, yeah, it's no it's well, well, well stated. 
Yeah, so you will hear from us next week. We don't know what the coverage will be. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll think about be, that halfway through this week. I'm going to flush it. There will be first. 505 game stuff. I, I uh, didn't yep. say that much. Yeah. All right, so look forward to that. Uh, until you hear from us next week, stay safe, take care, let us know what you're excited for, and we'll talk to you next time. Later, everyone. Video games are good.